RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Red Pill 78. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this is another edition of Red Pill News for Friday Night Livestream. Joining me in the studio tonight for the very first time, pleased to say, a man by the name of Ashton Forbes. Ashton is a researcher who, at least recently, has been diving into the mystery of MH370. I get the feeling he's been doing it personally behind the scenes for a very long time. But as you all might remember, about two months ago, we did a show here during the week. I brought you a couple of really interesting videos that kind of seemed to break out onto the scene. And we learned that they weren't new. They had been around for a while, but for whatever reason, people just hadn't been talking about them publicly. So I went to Twitter I wanted to see who was actually talking about this stuff, and I came across Ashton. So I'm very happy to say he's here with us tonight. We've got a full two hours. Obviously, we're going to be taking your calls in the second half, so get your questions ready. You can drop donations as well, and we'll try to work those in during the first portion of the show. And if you also wouldn't mind, please hit the like button, hit the red pill, whatever platform you're on, and uh, you could also share the show. I, I wouldn't be angry if you did that. All right, so sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we're going to be right back after this with Ashton Forbes. Are you guys familiar with Dr. Gary Richter? Well, if not, he's been named America's favorite veterinarian, and he's done incredible things. He's helped thousands of dogs with issues that just seemed impossible to go away. And the cool thing is that now he's made this very important video to alert you to something that every pet owner must know. If your dog's coat is dull, if their energy seems low, if they're itchy, if their ears are red, if their breath or their poop smells really bad, or if they're just not doing as well as they should, well, these can be warning signs of bad health, and they can get a lot more serious with age. The first thing you want to look at is nutrition. Basically, dog food manufacturers take healthy ingredients and they pressure cook them at super high temperatures. And then when it comes out on the other end, you've got this brown mush. Now, the food is supposed to last for two to three years on the shelf, but that means that some pretty bad stuff has gotten into that food if it's going to be able to last that long. And there are plenty of studies that show this process called glycation can even lead to serious conditions in your pet. Dr. Richter has been recognized with over two dozen awards for his research, and you can watch and learn more about it when you click the link in the description of this video, ultimatedoghealth.com forward slash Zach. Once again, it's linked just below this video, and when you click it, he's going to teach you exactly how he's helped dogs all over the world. Once again, that's ultimatedoghealth.com forward slash Zach. Just click the link in the description box below this video. It is completely free and well worth your time if you're a pet owner. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. 
All right. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you wouldn't mind, please join me in welcoming our guest for this evening, Mr. Ashton Forbes. Ashton, how are you tonight, sir? Doing great, Zach. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you again for being here. I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, as I was saying in the introduction, uh, I've been inter- or excuse me, I've been interested in the phenomena of MH370 for many, many years since it happened. It never seemed like we were getting the straight story or anywhere near the actual story. So, yeah. how about you? Where did your interest in MH370 arise? Yeah, um, actually, you know, in terms of these videos, it definitely arose about three months ago when they first appeared on Reddit. But, you know, early on, I had followed MH370 and kind of what had happened from the official narratives uh, and was never really comfortable with it. Even before I saw these videos, I knew there was something more going on that the United States government probably knew more than they were talking about and what they would admit to. Um, And my interest in general is just that uh, mysterious uh, plane incidents I just find interesting. Um, I have a little bit of a fear of flying, actually, so that's part of why I'm generally interested in them. But, you know, uh, contrary to the statement you said earlier, I actually wasn't like a deep investigator into this case until those videos emerged. So okay. a little bit flattering that you thought I've been looking into it for a lot longer. <laughs> well, it's no problem. I- I'm happy to dish out plenty of flattery. So what what is your, your background? Uh, what is it that you do? And, you know, what do you bring to the table yeah. in terms of the investigation? Well, my day job is actually as a consultant. Um, I'm a contractor with the government, actually, in healthcare IT. And, uh, you know, I I guess you could say I'm an analyst in that perspective. And so that kind of bleeds into being an investigator Mm -hmm. uh, with regards to these videos. I'd never before really been so compelled that I felt like I needed to be activist about any particular issue that had ever come up. I was a relative unknown three months ago um, before I started digging into these videos. And I didn't even necessarily want to be the person who was the uh, promoter of these videos. It was just that you know, the media, the mainstream media, if you want to call it that, um, just didn't pick up the reins. You know, when I tried to hand it off to them and say, hey, I think we have enough evidence that this would be legitimate. People can look into this. And since that didn't happen, uh, I just decided, OK, well, we're going to push for it. People seem very interested. I'm very invested in trying to get sure, to get to the truth here, you know, for the families of the victims, the pilot who was vilified, the witnesses that were all discredited, and then just the whole world that was essentially lied to. So that's pretty much my motivation is just getting to the truth, honestly. Well, I, I think it's uh, it's a, a reasonable thing to ask for and certainly to uh, a reason to look into it. So uh, in terms of these videos, what can you tell us about them? Yeah, um, and it might be just good to take a look at them at this point because I've got them up here on my screen. Please. We can just take a look together. Yeah, go for it. Um, so I'm actually going to pull up the archive version of these videos. A lot of people ask, you know, what is the chain of custody? on these videos and we're looking at it in front of us right here right now so the very first video here says satellite video airliners and ufos Mm -hmm. so right away it says it's satellite video when we're going to pull this up here a lot of people think that you're looking down or or, sorry up we're actually looking down on these videos from space potentially now notice the published dates on these and this is the archive the original version of these youtube videos you can't you can't find anymore it's been deleted Mm -hmm. but on the archive here, you can see it says received March 12th, 2014. Now, the Malaysian Airlines flight disappeared on March 8th, 2014. Right. It was just four days before this video was supposedly received by Regicide Anon. Mm-hmm. The account that uploaded this. This account was a random UFO uploader. They had a bunch of other videos that they uploaded before this. These seem like they potentially were the last ones that they uploaded. As far as we know, there may have been other ones potentially. Um, and this says posted and, and a published May 19th, 2014, which is about 70 days later. 
interestingly enough. So this would seem to indicate that based on the fact that it says source protected here, mm-hmm. and on their other videos, they wouldn't say source protected. They would say source email submission or whatever else they had received them from. That this person potentially thought the person they received this from was, you know, somebody who actually had classified information potentially. Sure. And that it may have taken this period of time between these two dates here for them to be convinced that what they were looking at and what they were publishing was going to be real. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because if you're uploading these other UFO videos, they probably don't have nearly the level of credibility behind them that I imagine this one did. Right. Now, if we look at this video right away, this is pretty interesting. Like we don't have a lot of basis to understand this to be even satellite footage. One of the few things that we have is the Trump picture of the satellite that image that he posted in 2019. Mm-hmm. And that image actually has very similar optical capabilities to what we're seeing here. The big difference is in that picture, it's daytime. Like it's very, very bright compared to this picture. And there's a huge uh-huh. shadow in his picture. It was, I think it was a picture of an Iran uh, kind of silo or something that we had attacked or like that. Okay. In our video, you're not going to see any shadows anywhere. We believe what we're looking at here is nighttime. People don't understand that this could be nighttime because we have something called false color IR. Mm-hmm. And that means that essentially you can kind of change the color to make it look more uh, easier for people to see from a battlefield awareness perspective. Mm-hmm. We also think that what we're going to be looking at here is something called the Sibbers system, space-based infrared system. And what that would mean is that it is communicating with other assets, other satellites to create a 3D battlefield awareness map. That's almost like a Google Earth video playback. Like a composite. Yeah, composite, actually. Exactly. And the reason why we say that is because you don't really see a lot of movement from the satellite. Mm -hmm. You actually can see the clouds move, but only over like long periods of time. Right. And what happens is that the person changes the the perspective like eight times throughout this video as well. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a hard time to figure out like how much stuff is relatively moving other than we can see this plane moving. Mm -hmm. Um. The background here is actually going to be moving at six frames per second, which is relevant because when you have such a low frame rate, the idea is that it's most likely a very, very large field of view. And that would also be indicative of a satellite picture. Yeah. Uh, we can also see this side by side perspective here. Early on, I kept wondering, why is this duplicated? Who would do that? This actually has created a 3D stereoscopic video mm-hmm. that you can overlay over the top and you can create a 3D video like you can wear with the blue and red glasses on and see. Now, this was a bit of a smoking gun because we could determine from this that we may be looking at two satellites looking down from outer space from slightly different angles that creates this 3D stereoscopic view. Mm-hmm. That helped us hone in on this potentially being a satellite called USA-229, okay. which we have proven looking at trajectories, was in the right location at the Nicobar Islands uh, at the right time to take this video. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. The last thing before I play this, I want people to point out is if I full screen this now in the bottom left down here, you can actually see some coordinates. Mm -hmm. These coordinates here indicate the Nicobar Islands, which (laughs) is the agreed upon location of this plane at 1840 UTC. In fact, this location is the same location where they claim this plane turned into the South Indian Ocean. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, a lot of things start to line up for this. Now, you can't see over here on the left, there's actually a higher quality version of this video that was posted later by somebody else. It doesn't have the stereoscopic imagery on it, Mm -hmm. but it helps you see a little bit more of the information down here. And you can tell that this says NROL 22, which is National Reconnaissance Office Launch 22, Mm -hmm. also known as USA 184. And this satellite, we've looked it up, was not anywhere in the region at all. It's got a millennia orbit and it was shot up in 2006. 
So it's probably too old potentially to take the advanced uh, IR video that we're seeing here. So we think that this is a command satellite that is relaying information from other satellites using something called SIGINT, Signals Intelligence. Yep. It's like a, a big network of information that's assets are communicating to one another. That's relevant because if you were to Google this, a lot of people do right away, hey, Google, is this real? Yep. The first thing that comes up is a Newsweek debunk that was posted the day after these videos appeared on Reddit. Mm-hmm. And in it, the only fact in it, there's only one, it says that this says NROL 33. But you can tell very clearly if we were to zoom in on this, that this 90, this is a 93 that I'm circling down here. Right. And what that means is these are twos, not threes. So the, the only fact in that debunk is wrong. And that's, you know, again, kind of shows that perhaps they put out disinformation to get people to ignore these videos um, when they're actually real. So let's actually get into the fun part now. <laughs> so we're watching this video. First thing we can notice, there's this smoke trail coming from the back of the plane here. Now, people will say, well, what not that contrails? Um, no, because what we're looking at here are cumulus clouds. These cumulus clouds only form at low altitudes, roughly 1,000 to 5,000 feet. And while this plane is above it, we can tell this plane is not far enough above it to create contrails, which only form at roughly 30,000 feet. So this has actually got to be smoke. It could have been exhaust, but we don't think we'd be able to see exhaust like this and clearly like this. It really has to be smoke. Yeah. And that's going to give us a clue as to what's going on. Yeah, I actually was just speaking with somebody about the uh, uh, the, the exhaust from these jets. Like it. Like it's not really putting out much at all. Mm -hmm. And the only time that you really see stuff is when it actually is at the proper altitude to produce the contrails. And if you see something else, then it's got to be something else. That's exactly my thought as well. So that's the main reason why we think this is smoke. And that's going to be corroborated by a witness. And it's going to be corroborated by what we think our event is here, which is going to end up being, we believe, a lithium ion battery fire that caused an emergency event. Okay. Now, in this video here, you can see this mouse has already appeared on the screen. And it wasn't there before. So this mouse actually moves off the screen to the top right and to the bottom left, which indicates, again, that what we're looking at is a cropped field of view of a much larger screen. Mm -hmm. So this is also interesting because we're not looking at a camera that's aimed at the screen here. We're also not looking at a cell phone that's taking a video of this. It's like the leaker knew they had to go in with the real deal, log into the Citrix session into the actual spy satellite database and do a screen recording. And that's what we seem to be looking at here. And so this mouse is actually 24 frames per second. What that means is that it's different frame rate than the background. Right. This is indicative of them logged into the actual Intel spy satellite database with this being part of the Citrix session over the top. Okay. So this essentially is evidence that the whole video is going to be real here. Um, Now, also the coordinates don't shift when that mouse moves around. Mm Mm-hmm. So that would be indicative of having a second analog or that there's some kind of trackball situation or, you know, another movement capability built into some maybe mouse that's specific for navigating around these fields of view. Okay. Now, if you just saw that, there was an orb that came flying in at extremely high rate of speed here. Look how fast that comes in. We think that's coming in at about Mach 3, which is like over 2,000 miles an hour. It seems to just completely ignore gravity the way that it moves as well. It's going to slingshot back and it's going to kind of go around this plane a little bit. Now, lastly, what I want to point out here too, is that this plane, the color tone matches MH370 here. It's light on the top and gray on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Malaysian Airlines is, white on the top, gray on the bottom. 
This is a 777-200, we can tell as well. The second video will corroborate that even further. So this orb here slingshots back, begins to rotate around the plane. A second orb is going to, once I unpause this, it's going to shoot along the water and up through this cloud. If you look very carefully here, it almost shows us where it's coming from, but you can't really tell where it begins. There's the orb shoots up through the cloud. And then a third orb comes from the side of the screen. So right away, people are going to start thinking, okay, what am I looking at here? Is this non-human intelligence, aliens? Yeah. Even I thought that right away. You know, for the first couple of weeks, I thought, okay, this is bizarre. This is like what you see in UFOlogy. This is where you're seeing these orbs that we've been talking about, or they've been talking about, you know, for several years now. We see this equilateral triangle formation. But when you watch it, realize that there's clear intent in the pattern and what's going on here. There's purpose. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's mapping the plane, targeting the plane. It's encircling the plane in a sphere here. Mm-hmm. Like it's trying to map it and figure out, okay, what's going to come next? The center of mass here is where they're circling around. This pattern is far too exact. It's a perfect wave pattern if you were to graph it out. It's far too exact for people to be flying in these little orbs or even aliens to be flying in these little orbs. Sure. In my mind, it has to be AI that's manually controlling these. It's just take way too much processing power to do this. And therefore, it's essentially a computer program Mm -hmm. that is running these orbs here. Now, when they get to this cloud... Watch what happens. They change their formation. All of a sudden, they start rotating around it vertically. And they keep rotating around it vertically here. Almost like they've got this weird pattern going on. And then what you're about to see here is this zap. I paused it perfectly there. I'm getting good. (laughs) So you can see this zap happen. And this zap here, again, we're going to prove from the second video at a different angle that this is going to be fully three-dimensional. So this would require a 3D environment to be produced if this was not real. This zap here is accurately illuminating the clouds. And Mm -hmm. these clouds, you can see the detail in them. Very detailed clouds. So this is very difficult to fake. And the zap here accurately illuminating them presents strong evidence that the whole thing is real. Not just the plane, but the orbs and this zap that we see. So I'm going to unpause it. And the plane is just gone. Just gone. Nowhere to be found. Right. And the smoke trail stops, too. Mm-hmm. So my first thought was, OK, they cloaked this plane somehow. But the plane, the smoke trail would keep going if the plane was just cloaked. So it couldn't be that. And then my other next thought is, OK, well, they annihilated this plane. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was some kind of explosion. But you didn't see anything go flying anywhere. It's like it got like in- inverted, exploded. Right. And mm-hmm. from a layman's perspective, the problem with that is that the amount of mass in a 777-200 is a huge amount of mass Mm -hmm. and energy gets converted or gets converted from mass by E equals MC squared. Mm -hmm. Meaning if this got annihilated, the energy and mass would have to go somewhere. The energy released would have been magnitudes larger than what we just saw. Mm -hmm. You know, think of like an atom bomb times like a hundred. This thing would have just nuked the whole part of the planet at that point. (laughs) So it couldn't be annihilation either. So weirdly enough, we think the only explanation scientifically is what we would think of as teleportation. Right. Yeah. So we're not, and again, before I dug in, dig into this here, I want to say that I don't think this is a wormhole or a black hole either because the clouds don't get like impacted. They don't get sucked in from a black hole. They don't get pushed out from the explosion. 
It's like everything stays the way that it is, but the plane just disappears, which I think is a big clue as to what really happens here. Yeah, it was very tightly focused. Now, before we go on any further, Ashton, if if you wouldn't mind, uh, one of the potential debunks that I saw of this was that the actual portal opening and, you know, that kind of zap, uh, someone claimed that it had been – matched up with a series of, um, I guess it would be motion graphics that you can get in Final Cut Pro or something like that, or that it was, you know, specific to uh, some uh, aspect of Star Wars or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. It seemed like it was a stretch. And, you know, I mean, we're we're talking about 2014 here, you know, obviously, if this was made in a film studio or something like that, it could have been made to look reasonably convincing. But, yeah, this is I just can't believe that a film studio would do that, put it out there and, you know, try to yeah. uh, there we go. I think this is it. <laughs> yeah. So what we can see here is what's happened is that an account named Icy Slide posted on Reddit on August 19th, claiming this pyromania effect was the effect in our videos. Now, the one you're seeing on the right is going to be from our second video yep. that we'll look at here in a minute. But right away, we can tell this is not the same visual effect. Yes. What they did was they tried to line up one frame and resize it and and get it to try to match on the edge here. It actually doesn't even match on both sides. Mm -hmm. They tried to match it on just one edge and claim that because it looks similar, they must automatically be the same. Interestingly enough, icy slide is a play on words. It's a play on words sensor. I see slide which can also be converted to intelligence community forum slide (laughs) now forum sliding is a mechanism of disinformation yeah (laughs) interestingly enough by which you do exactly what they did here which is to get you when there's something you would want to go away you push up to the top information that is false Mm -hmm. and so that it makes the true information slide down to the bottom and you use comments as well exactly the comments to say and this is what happened in the in the thread say Oh, can't believe, thank God this has been debunked. We can move on from this. Let's right. ban all discussion of this. Yep. Right. So the account in question actually answered no questions related to this when it posted it. It got right. a ton of awards. It was a one day old account <laughs> that had to be given manual approval to post. Oh my God. So it's as, as suspicious as possible. Now, when you watch this effect, just really think about this effect because we're going to look at the other video. And you're going to be able to tell that this is not even close, not even the right color for our effect here. Right. In addition, what we're looking at here is the remastered version of this effect. So they not only did that, the re- this effect was remastered in 2015 after our videos have been dated. Mm-hmm. The older quality of this is really, I don't have a better word, janky looking and much more <laughs> pixelated as well. And it's from like the 90s, right? Right. This is also from some obscure video game where it's like, how did anyone find this, right? Like someone had to have run a search looking for some effect they could claim looks similar. Right. I mean, this frame right here, it's just obviously not even close to the same. Well, and, and so, the other thing yeah. is, I mean, considering the fact that these videos were out there, but just nobody had really paid attention to them. They hadn't gained the notoriety that would be necessary. So, I mean, if we're talking about Something that was done by human intelligence. I mean, we have to evaluate who could have the potential to do that, you know, and obviously a a state sponsored actor uh, or, you know, some sort of unknown federal agency or even a global agency would certainly have the ability to do that. And knowing what they had done, they would probably have something like this, like a, a debunking 
just waiting in the wings for people to go ahead and uh, and and just accept it once they throw it out there on the thread. And and the other thing that really really convinces me that we have something here Ashton is the fact that Newsweek one day after this published on Reddit they immediately debunked it. You know, I I mean like why? Why was it so important for them to jump right in there? And tell the world that these anons on Reddit had no idea what they were talking about. It's a little suspicious. The lady doth protest too much. No, I thought the same thing. And that's why I was actually one of the first people to see that debunk on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And this was before I was even known by anybody. And I actually debunked that debunk within (laughs) one hour of it being posted on Twitter. You can actually still go find it. I keep the saved version of it where you can see my reply right there. And this is incorrect. You have the wrong satellite here listed out. Um, and I thought the same thing is that no media has touched this. No media has talked to me. And this has been three months later, but somehow one day after this video appearing Newsweek posts, a what was clearly like a fake debunk. And it looked like an AI had just copied a, the previous debunk. Mm-hmm. They even got the satellite wrong from the previous debunk. Like when it copy and pasted it, they just said it was NROL 77. There was no such satellite launch as NRL yeah. 77. Yeah. Since then, since I went and debunked them, they changed it and they updated it saying, Oh no, it's supposed to be 33, but it's not 33 either. It's 22. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, when it comes to disinformation, they're not very good at it, honestly. Like they could have done a better job than what they did. And that's the part too, where like you said, like it indicates that we're probably looking at something legit here if they yeah. went to so much effort to try to get people to think that it's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it seems very coordinated. And the person who's posted this debunk that we were just kind of looking at with the the pyromania I'm not even going to say their name, but they have no credibility whatsoever. They've tried to debunk other stuff that's real as well. Other stuff that's been declassified by the government. They try to de- debunk. It's like, wait, why are you trying to debunk videos that the government said this real? It's yeah. Absurd. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah we, I'm glad we addressed gotta that. You got to love it. <laughs> uh, so, and as I was kind of showing the, the visual effect overlaid where you can tell it's not even close to the same. And people may argue, well, the one frame looks the same. It looks similar, right? And all you have to say to debunk those people is how many pixels match. Because the reality is if it was the same, they would have changed it to be exactly the same. The amount of effort it takes to move pixels around is not some easy process. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's the reason why no one has gone and done it. Because it would take days just to move the pixels around to get it to exactly match. And... Keep in mind, you're not copying something here. This is a completely original work. Right. So what that would mean is like, there's no basis to try to copy it to make it look like something else. The person who would have hoaxed it to begin with would have had been doing it from scratch. So if they were going to put in some effect into it, they would have just put the whole effect in without modifying it, right? That's the easy way to do the visual effect. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why they attack that, the portal effect there, you want to call it, let's call it the, um, the, I like to call it the transitional phase change is because I think they were looking for a way to admit the videos are real. Because then they can say, okay, well, the rest of the video is real, but not this part where it shows the hyper-advanced technology that we can't admit to. Yes, of course. And that's, again, another disinformation tactic. Like, even if somehow that effect matched, that wouldn't debunk any of the rest of the footage. Like, the rest of the footage would still be MH370. Mm -hmm. So it's just a really lazy debunk, and I hope that people are critical thinkers can see through that type of stuff. Um, A lot of people, unfortunately, cannot. Absolutely. Well, I have a fairly discerning audience, so I think you're in good good company. So let's dig into the second video real quick. Now, this one, you can see here says June 12th, 2014. Mm -hmm. So this is just a few weeks after that first video was published. Same Mm -hmm. account. 
And you can't see it right here, but it actually says received June 5th. So this one, they didn't take three or eight weeks to post. They posted it within a week of receiving it. And on this one, it just says airliner captures UFO. And it says this is a second angle compared to the previous satellite footage. Now, we think on this one here, we're looking at an MQ-1C Great Eagle. It seems to have the similar match. You can see the nose of it. Yep. Um, we're not 100% sure, actually, because there's a few other variants of this drone that it could be as well. We we're actually just looking at another one today that's a MQ-9C, which is a much newer version. It would have been like brand new. It would have been experimental mm-hmm. if that's what this drone is. So we're still pretty sure it's MQ-1C. You can look up SIGINT payload in Google, and the very top hit will link you to an MQ-1C Great Eagle which would seem to indicate that that's one of these connected sat- assets to the satellite and potentially to other assets that were cropped out from that first video we were watching. Okay. Now, in this video right away, you can see the smoke trail again. Yep. It goes underneath the smoke trail in the beginning, indicating that this was just cropped out of view. These two videos sync up perfectly. Mm-hmm. There's actually no discrepancies in either of these videos. So if somebody had faked this, they made no mistakes whatsoever in two different videos, and they made them in perfect synchronization with one another. I would think now, that'd be pretty difficult for anyone to do. Yeah, extremely difficult. And I've talked to VFX experts. We've had a Marvel VFX expert go on the record saying that this would take at least six months to you know research the information, put it together. And that's potentially using today's technology. Oh, yeah. In 2014, just rendering the 3D environment, I'm told, would have taken weeks. Yep. So the orbs here are interesting. I don't think we're looking at metal spheres here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we are, it's a much smaller sphere. I think we're looking at a, a shell, electromagnetic shell or some type of field around them. We think this is indicative of room temperature superconductivity, which if you've followed LK99 and some of that stuff that was coming out in the last few weeks or a few months. Yes, yes. Yeah, that seems to show floating rocks, mm-hmm. floating room temperature rocks. And what we think you can do with this superconductivity is if you spin it really fast, that you can potentially create a field. Um, and what this field can do is pull you out of space-time as we understand it, or at least from the local space-time, and create your own geodesics, which is a fancy word for gravity. So we think that that's what's at play here, is that these are creating a field that's essentially allowing them to ignore gravity. And you heard me correct, ignore gravity itself. And then that's why they're not falling. But also, if you look closely here, you're going to see these black lines. These black lines are actually in front of the orbs, if you look closely there. Mm -hmm. They're not behind them, which is best described as a forward-facing gravity engine. Mm. We think that what's happening here is that they're using some type of pulse from a laser to create this vibrational effect that is allowing them to create their own geodesics here. This is actually cooling the atmosphere. That's why it's dark like this. We're looking at a thermal here. Yes. This is a very cold in front of them. You can also see that there's actually a heat signature on the orbs. Yep. But it's only in one part of it. Um, this is called the monopole. And these monopoles, we think that the front of them is potentially where these lines are coming out from them. And that's how they're kind of creating these, uh, these geodesics. We can see this outline of the plane. And when we're going to see it here, we can tell that they're manually tracking it. It's not being automatically tracked like those 2007 DOD FLIR footages are. Mm-hmm. The HUD data has been removed which would be indicative of this person has stripped it. They must be potentially a person who operates these drones. They know enough to how to strip the HUD data, how to colorize this. Most likely this was just in black and white originally, and they added this thermal layer to the top. This is another part where I I don't think this could be fake, because if you're faking this, why are you having it go on a frame like this? You would have it where the plane's always in the middle of the frame. 
This is like very clear of like a human tracking this plane. Right. And in this view, this is a perfect silhouette of MH370, mm-hmm. of 777-200. We can also see the heat signature of the engine here. And you see this very elongated heat signature, which mm-hmm. is directly where the landing gear is. We've actually shown there are two heat exhaust ports here where the air conditioning units are. This heat signature is very hot. It's actually consistent with the engine here. Mm -hmm. This is where we think the smoke is billowing out of the back of the plane. And that what's happening here is that there's a fire inside somewhere in one of the cargo bays that's been trying to be contained. And the smoke is rotating out through the air conditioning unit. And it's coming out and the exhaust is pouring out this very hot air. So Ashton, do do we have the ability to compare this uh, to anything similar? So that like, okay, obviously yeah. we get the outline. We, we can we can see that it, it it lines up as far as the shape. But mm-hmm. in in terms of the theory with uh, a fire on the inside and exhaust coming out right there, uh, is there any other like images or footage of uh, another jet of you know similar proportions that that was having the similar type of issue, or can we see what it would look like without an issue? There's nothing, really. We've looked around. Now, people have tried to show images from the ground, but it's completely different than an airplane high up in altitude where it's much cooler. Mm -hmm. So really, unless we get another high-quality MQ-1C thermal drone, and this camera is very, very advanced, probably the most advanced cameras on the planet in 2014. So we actually just don't have anything to compare to to see. I would guess you would not see this heat signature so prominent mm-hmm. if we had another one to compare it to. Yeah. But instead, all we have is several corroborating ev- pieces of corroborating evidence. Okay. That's There's good. a witness who's on the ground or in the water on a boat. She sees a plane and her sighting, which goes all the way back to just a couple days after the event when she reported it after she landed, is consistent <clears throat> with our videos. She said she saw a plane that was flying low that was descending. And we've proven that the plane that we see here is descending as well. Okay. She said that she saw black smoke coming off the back of it. That was very dark. And again, this is the middle of the night. So she was probably seeing it because there was some illumination from the plane. Mm-hmm. And she said the plane was glowing orange. Oof. Now, I tr- struggled to figure out why would this plane glow orange? I kept wondering, are these orbs causing it? She did not see the orbs or the plane disappear. She went inside, put the kettle on. While she, after she was kind of doing the sighting for five or 10 minutes, comes out and there's no more plane anymore. So I kept thinking, there's, you can't outrun these orbs. They're moving way too fast initially, right? Mm-hmm. So I kept thinking, there must be some other reason why this, she saw this glowing orange plane. I didn't think she was hallucinating. And we find out that the bromine chemical from this halon fire extinguishing gas, mm-hmm. when it has its chemical reaction, it releases bromine, which is a orange glowing gas. And you can see it's a very like neon orange gas. Right. So what we think has happened here is they were fighting this fire for about an hour or more. And they're trying to put out this lithium ion battery fire, but these lithium ion battery fires don't go out. They just keep it reigniting. Right. And that just permeates throughout the entire plane. And maybe even the plane is depressurized. So there's holes in the plane where this gas is leaking out. Mm-hmm. And that's what's causing this orange glow. And so that's consistent, again, with a lithium-ion battery fire where they've been fighting this fire. Now, going back to the videos here, you can see these heat signatures just spinning around on these orbs, right? And at this point, these orbs are going around it vertically, like we saw in the first video here. Mm -hmm. And we're about to get to our main event here. You know what else... You know what else I notice? Um, okay, so obviously you, you mentioned the uh, uh, the cooling of the atmosphere from these things. 
the, the heat signature where that uh, uh, where the smoke would have been coming out is almost completely extinguished now. Yeah, I think that here it's kind of hard to tell. It's probably okay. just changing rapidly okay. from them watching it. Okay. Yeah, you can still kind of okay. see it, right? Yep. So yep. it's fluttering, let's say. Yeah. But you're going to get to that point, actually, because that's going to actually happen. Like, what's about to happen here is these orbs are going to start to converge. They're actually, their monopoles are going to um, direct, uh, change and orient directly towards the center of the plane, mm-hmm. almost like they're taking their forward-facing gravity engines and just combining them together. Mm-hmm. And then what we're going to see is the plane is going to go cold, or at least it's going to cool down. And you're going to see this very dark, black, cold event happen here. And you see how quickly that happens? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what I want to do is I switch it over to the other view of this. I have a super slow-mo of this that we can take a look at. And I think that this is going to be a lot more interesting to look at. So if I go to the super slow-mo version of this right about here. Now, you can see the monopoles spinning very clearly in this slow-mo version. And you'll see them orient towards the center right here at the last second. And then the plane disappears. Now, this is an even slower version of this. And there's something really amazing that happens here. is In the final frame, as these orbs converge on the plane... Mm-hmm. So you can see them converging here now, and you can see them spinning, and they're actually rotating so that all these monopoles mm-hmm. are going to direct on the plane. Um, I went right past it. So you see this frame here. You see the oh, the plane actually um, goes blurs a little bit and gets cold here. I think in this frame right here. See how mm-hmm. it, gets, it blurs all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. You see these orbs that they bend like this, and now they're flat. We think we're looking at gravitational lensing, like a very strong electromagnetic force is building right here. Just like if you were looking at a star that's behind a black hole and it, the light bends around the sides of it. Mm-hmm. This blur is also indicative of it speeding up. The plane's accelerating. Like if you were trying to take a picture of somebody who's running, realize in none of the other frames do we see any blur like this. Mm-hmm. And then the last bit is that this plane, the silhouette actually shrinks slightly as well, very slightly which could be indicative of mass reduction. Yes. And that's what we think is happening is that if you have to try to accelerate to the speed of light, mm-hmm. you have to reduce your mass to zero because otherwise it becomes harder and harder to move an object as you approach the speed of light. So this is what we think is happening here is that this plane is undergoing a phase state change, transitional phase state change, where its mass gets reduced mm-hmm. and its speed increases to the speed of light. Almost like the movie, uh, the Marvel movies, the X-Men one with Quicksilver guy. Sure. Yeah. All of a sudden moving at extreme speeds mm-hmm. and everybody else can't see anything happen. Mm-hmm. Just like that. And then, of course, since we're looking at a camera that's taken at a frame rate, we can't see anything happen. It looks like it just disappears because it's happening so fast that the plane just completely disappears out of space time here <laughs> from our perspective. But it's not necessarily then a wormhole and it's not, you know, dematerializing the plane and rematerializing it. It's just moving so fast that we can't even see it. Okay. So, yeah, this is the, and this frame right here, you can actually see the tail of the plane still sticking out. Right. Of this particular, which seems like it kind of got sucked back a little bit. I'm not sure if that's the real right term for what we see here. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden, right after that, now the plane's gone. So this is what we call our MH370 videos. Um in my mind, the most incredible <clears throat> videos that we've ever seen, um, you know, from a technological standpoint. And again, I don't think that what we're looking at here is aliens or UFOs. My opinion from having looked through the evidence related to the case is that the United States government is hiding some advanced technology that 
from a public perspective, we barely understand the science and we understand it from like a plasma's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and it all kind of leads back to the double slit experiment, but from an ability to do what we're doing here to a seven, seven, seven completely, you know, decades more advanced than where the public is currently at. So the um, double slit is, is that where the photons behave differently depending on if someone's watching them or not? You got it. You want to explain that to the audience? I, I've talked about yeah. it before, but it's, I love it. It's fascinating. It's the most mysterious uh, thing about physics and science potentially in the entire world. And to me, it actually makes me more spiritual to think about it because it's essentially magic, mm-hmm. which is that if you try to shoot one photon, just a single photon, through one of two slits and try to have a detector on the back that says, okay, which, where did it go? When you do that without looking, it doesn't create two slits in the detector. It creates a wave pattern, which is a number of different slits. But how can that be? It had to go through one or the other, right? Because it seems like one photon <laughs> is acting like a, a water wave would act as it hits the slits. Mm-hmm. So then we say, okay, let's look. Let's figure out where did it go. And you set up a detector that will look and see which slit it went through. The pattern changes when you do that. All of a sudden, now you get two slits in your detection. But wait, what? Mm-hmm. I'm doing the same thing I did before is just sending one photon through. The only difference is we're looking at it. And that changes it, it. What they say is breaks down the wave function. The wave function collapses. To me, this is just magic. This means that the universe is aware of itself. Like the universe is going, oh, you're looking? Okay, hold on. I got to change, mm-hmm. right? This is what's led to quantum entanglement, quantum teleportation, and what they call non-locality just a fancy word for interacting faster than the speed of light, which is as fast as we can see essentially, or as fast as we can detect something. Now, what they've done is they've done something pretty amazing too. They've done the same experiment, but they've taken light from stars that are billions of years away. And they've shot that light through. And you know what? The wave function still breaks down, which means how could that happen? That light was sent from billions of years ago. Yeah. And it still changes when we look at it. This is strong evidence that our universe is what they would call a simulation. I don't really like using that word very much because it kind of takes away from our experiences a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think that what it means essentially is that there's a creation that there's a creator for our universe. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I get spiritual. Go ahead. No, I I, I absolutely agree with you. I I think uh, it's the same. You know, the people who would argue that this is just a simulation. I, I feel like that that really does cheapen uh, the entire mm-hmm. human experience, you know, I mean, because yeah, I, I don't like the idea of thinking that I'm just, you know, a, a series of binary code on a disk somewhere. And that's the only reason I exist. But, you know, I am I, I am Christian. And I believe in God. And I believe that, you know, there is divine creation. And what we are witnessing every single day, I mean, it's got a purpose. And so it's so fascinating to think that that light would not not remain a constant that as long as you've got some form of observation going on that it's going to be different and you know i mean it it almost yeah. uh it does it it, it it kind of explains for uh, uh the behavior of a number of different things that, that you mentioned and obviously it's uh there, there's so much more that we could learn so much more that we can know and that's also why this subject is so enticing to me why i'm so excited by it because it, it's like, you know, I'm sure that you remember just a couple of years ago, they were telling us to trust the science, you know, as if science is finite, you know, yeah. like we know everything there is to know about everything. And so, you know, just yeah. shut up and do what we tell you. But it's quite clear that the world, the universe is so much more mystical than we could possibly fathom. We will never know everything and we can't even uh, attempt to, uh, to to do that. I mean, there's just it's not possible. Uh, so. 
Okay, so uh, just getting back to the idea of the of the fire, you, you mentioned you know this yeah. is th- this you you came to this conclusion. I mean, is it all based around the heat signature on there, or is there some no. other aspect to this? I actually didn't even notice the heat signature until well after we were already down the fire path. Okay, because we were able to figure out the satellite USA two two nine potentially sending this data or just taking that three D stereoscopic imagery. It has a sister satellite right next to it, so I'll just quickly show this this flyover. Because to me, this is the smoking gun where it's like, we got them here with this. Now, this is a real recreation of the actual trajectories of the satellite on the day. We can look these up. They're amateur. They're out there. You can see this time at the top of the screen as well. This bubble represents probably a much smaller field of view than what they're even capable of doing. And you can see right here at this point, I mean, we're within minutes at this point of when we think this happened within one minute of this is actually basically the exact time we think our videos are happening here. Okay. At 1839, I looked at the Immersat data, which is this ping data that they had or whatever. At exactly this time, there's a huge anomaly that happens, and it. it's just an Excel spreadsheet. And I thought, holy crap, how did nobody look at this ping data and say, there's got to be something that happened here? And it's our videos. This is the exact location as well as this turn into the South Indian Ocean. Mm-hmm. These satellites are staring right down at it. This is absolute proof that the U.S. government was looking at this plane, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Rather, whether or not these videos are real, they were looking at the plane. Yeah. This is NROL 34 right here, and its sister satellite officially classified as debris. And so we can see that we clearly had a shot on it. Now, take a look at this. This is the Sibber system. Look at this. I can't believe this is even public knowledge. This is basically proof that they've got full 3D playback of the entire world. Absolutely. Anytime they want here. Look at this. And these are geostationary satellites. These ones are super far away out here. Mm -hmm. These are 40,000 kilometers away. The ones that we've got are only about a thousand kilometers away. So they're going to be very close to the earth. And that's why we see this angle potentially. Um, And then it it kind of goes and shows like, again, like the detailed scans and you can see how wide these infrared scans are that they're doing on the planet. Where is it right here? Look at this. I mean, look at how they can scan the planet like this. Mm -hmm. And this is years old. We think that our command satellites, one of the first ones that went up that kind of began this system and replaced it from the old system that was called DSP. And now, again, the, the mission statement of this is tracking boats, planes, battlefield awareness, and intelligence, which is exactly what we're looking at. Um, so that's very amazing in my mind. Now, go ahead, jump on in. I was just going to say, you know, I, what's what's interesting to me is that if we're <clears throat> if we're being told that this is the level of technology that's in play, you can almost assume that something, you know, 30, 40, 50 years more advanced than what we are, you know, what they're copying to is probably what's actually out there. No, and I think that's what yeah. a lot of people say, too. Yeah. Initially, when I thought this was non-human intelligence, I thought this has got to be thousands of years more advanced than we are. When I realized it's us, I'm like, oh, actually, this is only like 50, maybe 100 years more advanced, which is pretty much in line with what people think that the military is capable of. Right. right? I just I had a hard time believing it until I see it firsthand. But now that I look at it, I go, yeah, they're not going to admit to this anytime soon. No, no. Um, so let's, you know, jump into the conspiracy angle. This is actually kind of, I think, the funnest angle. This right official on. narrative says this plane turned into the South Indian Ocean, crashed in the South Indian Ocean. They vilified his pilot despite there being no evidence. What, what people think about this guy is all just fiction. There yep. is nothing that sticks to it. Everybody stuck up for this guy. He is not suicidal in any way, shape, or form. He had 18,000 flight hours. Everybody, his coworkers loved him. Um, and they needed to vilify a guy, so they just put a bunch of fake narratives out there. Patsy. So why did this plane not crash into the South Indian Ocean? First of all, no debris field. This was the most expensive and extensive search in history. 
I was listening to the press conferences. They had 42 planes and 39 boats looking for this plane. Mm-hmm. And they didn't find one piece of the plane. And people were going, no, well, I heard they found some debris. We'll get to that. Don't worry. The official search found nothing. Mm-hmm. You have a 777 crashing into the ocean. It's going to break apart. There's going to be debris everywhere. Bodies, luggage, parts of the plane. This is not Sully Sullenberger landing on the Hudson River. Landing in the ocean, even on a controlled descent, plane's going to rip apart and go everywhere. So the fact there's no debris field is the biggest evidence. They didn't find any black boxes either. Yes. They searched all the way along the seventh arc. It's not too deep to not find these black boxes. Mm-hmm. They found nothing. <clears throat> there's a Sosa system, the same one that heard the Titan sub pop, heard nothing. Mm-hmm. Again, they found this Titan sub within like one day. They even <clears throat> lied about it for five days while everyone's watching these auction encounters. And then the Navy yep. admits, yeah, we heard that right away. Yep. We just didn't let anybody know. There's also two hydrophone systems, one in Western Australia, which would have heard it in the South Indian Ocean. And Diego Garcia, this military base in the Indian Ocean, has very advanced capabilities. That, it, that military base can actually potentially track this plane on radar from takeoff to whenever it would have landed or crashed, wherever you want to think. None of them heard any acoustic detections consistent with uh, the plane crashing into the ocean. There's two radar systems, Indonesia's and Australia's. Also saw nothing in the South Indian Ocean. Both were in range. 19 families of the victims signed a statement begging the government to look into the fact that the cell phones were still able to ring for up to four days after. So, this is not possible. No, no, it's not possible. And and this is where I want to uh, get your thoughts on uh, another aspect yeah. of the conspiratorial portion of it. Yeah, um, yeah. Because there, you know, uh, you mentioned Diego Garcia. Th- this has been yeah. a theory for uh, many, many years that perhaps the plane was diverted to Diego Garcia. Now, if it was, maybe it was just teleported there with some advanced technology. And there was uh, a story of a man that was on that plane And he allegedly either got some messages out or he was able to call his friend. And he said that he didn't really understand what was going on, but they were being held captive. And uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it pinged in that area. So what can you tell us about that? So that's Philip Wood, the American passenger. That's it. And he posted a picture on 4chan, a black picture. Mm -hmm. People argue, well, why 4chan? Well, if you're a conspiracy-minded person, you know why you're avoiding other social media. Because you're going to get yourself censored by the government real quick. So maybe he posted there for that reason. Maybe he didn't have a signal to make a phone call. Not really sure. But there's a black picture and the EXIF data on that points to Diego Garcia. Yep. Now, if this plane was teleported, uh, there was a sighting in the Maldives early in the morning that they saw the plane flying solo. They could see the windows and they yep. could see the red and white stripe of Malaysian Airlines on the plane just 50 miles north of the base. So if this did plane get teleported, especially maybe even slightly to the future, or maybe they landed and it took off again, there's actually a sighting. The Maldives were completely excluded from the search. Mm-hmm. In fact, a B-77 fire suppression device looks like a little acne, acne bomb from those old cartoons. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect match of a B-77 fire suppression device. Washes up on the Maldives a couple of weeks later. They don't even investigate it. They completely removed the Maldives from the search. And so, uh, those, yeah. those, I believe it was some uh, some fishermen that saw the plane go over in the Maldives, and it was, like, relatively close. Like, I mean, I, I yeah. was always... I don't know. I wasn't surprised, but I mean, like, I just thought that it was a little too on the nose for them to not even go down that road at all, considering the nature the size, the scope of the search. Yeah. And so there was a bunch of witnesses, actually, that I see this fire. Now, the ones you're thinking over actually saw it over the South China Sea, like 10 minutes after this fire would have ignited. Okay, there's like eight fishermen that see this plane flying so low. That's very unusual. Now, the reason why you fly low is that your plane did get depressurized, probably from the explosion from the initial lithium ion batteries. 
But that's not to, to incapacitate the passengers. It's actually to save them so they have enough oxygen that they can breathe. Right. Um, so the entire narrative, just looking at it, falls apart. Now, in addition to that, the none of the ELT beacons uh, activate on crash. These are these emergency beacons. There are four redundant beacons that should have gone off if this plane crashes into the ocean. Mm-hmm. They searched all along the, the final arc as well as the, the flight path. They find nothing above or below water. And if people say, well, the ocean's really big, this they have this plane running out of gas. There's nowhere else for this plane to go. Right, right. It's literally going as far as it possibly could. It's an active shipping route down there. And there's no witnesses that saw the plane, even though it supposedly crashed in the morning. Mm-hmm. No witnesses, no debris field. It simply did not crash in the South Indian Ocean. Not possible. Yep. So the next part, what about the debris they did find? Um, the debris they did find is actually consistent with the fire and teleportation event. Some of it even had burn marks on it. The fact that this plane got teleported somewhere else means that whatever debris they found could easily be from the plane. Mm-hmm. And the flapper on that they claim is, you know, they connected to MH370. Uh, they don't tell you that they didn't use a unique serial number. There's a unique serial plate on this flapper on that is just missing. You can Google it and you can confirm this information. I'm not lying to you. That's pretty weird because this is probably bolted on. Sure. All of a sudden, this unique thing that they would have been able to confirm 100% part of the plane is missing. So they use a non-unique serial number, meaning this is just a part from a 777. That's pretty well, bizarre to me. And weren't there a couple of 777s that had, uh, I don't know, they, they had been like whitewashed or something like that. They had their tail numbers removed and they were being moved around just shortly after this took place. So the facts of that is that there was a 777 per, uh, purchased by GA Telesis. That's an exact copy of the plane in October of 2013. Okay. Less than six months before this incident happened. GA Telesis's company was started by a 34-year-old ex-military guy. All of a sudden, he's in charge of a multi-billion-dollar plane purchasing company that's got scrapped like at least a decade too soon. Mm-hmm. So it could also be, you know, if you want to cast doubt on the debris, I think other people have said the barnacle growth was not consistent. Yep. But you could also just say that, okay, they had another part from a similar plane that they threw into the water. Or they could have just deconstructed MH370, exactly. broken apart and thrown a piece in the water as well. Yeah, yeah. E- either one is totally plausible. Okay, so... Uh, why? Okay, so so from your perspective with this uh, this lithium ion battery theory, uh, this was not like a pre planned event. Uh, this was just a, a a a sad, unfortunate coincidence for the people aboard this plane. Um, but I'm I'm sure that you're aware of uh, the passengers that were on board that were employed by Freescale Semiconductor, and they had uh, uh, this uh, this patent that they were all part owners of, mm-hmm. and then once they disappeared. That transferred to the ownership of the other people who were large shareholders in the in the company, and I believe that was yeah. one, one or more of the Rothschilds. Yeah. So right before I jump into that, I want to say a little bit more evidence for the fire. Okay, is please. We have a witness that sees that. All the other witnesses have been ruled out. Also corroborate the fire. Mike McKay sees this plane ignite at seventeen twenty one UTC when it goes dark. He is within range to be able to see this just low on the horizon. This explains why he thought he saw it crash because he was seeing it low on the horizon. Yeah. But it doesn't crash. It's just a fire ignites. They start to put it out and it flies for another hour. Those fishermen, 10 minutes later, see it flying so low. Then we also at the same time where Mike McKay sees it, there's nine people along the coast that hear loud bangs and noises consistent with potential explosion. Mm-hmm. So then this plane flies over Penang to Lankau, which is the closest airport that it should go to in an emergency situation and flies past it probably because it had damage to the landing gear, probably couldn't land because it's filled with fuel, couldn't dump the fuel because it's on fire. Mm-hmm. The next thing you're supposed to do is land in the ocean. There's an intercepted SOS communication only reported in Chinese news 
<laughs> that claims to be at from 2.43 a.m., just minutes from our time, uh, which we, if you convert that to Malaysian time, that's 18.43 UTC, just minutes after we were looking at that satellite. Okay. It claimed to be from MH370, and the plane was attempting an emergency landing and disintegrating, which, again, now corroborates the witness, our videos, and this SOS communication. Most likely, this plane didn't lose communication. It's just been classified. Sure. So there was these 20 freescale semiconductor scientists on board, and they are scientists and engineers. They were going to China to improve the plants there, supposedly. The patents, it could be related to these patents. Some people have actually argued in other interviews I did that they might be working on these advanced processors that use room temperature superconductivity Mm -hmm. for quantum computers. But the thing about the patents is a little bit of a red herring is that the, the company itself owned those patents anyway. Now, it doesn't really change too much of the theory behind it, right? Because this company gets sold off the next year to NXP Semiconductors. But I would argue that this company really should be called Freescale Superconductors. And the reason for this is that we found a 2005 NSA, National Security Agency, report on commercial superconductivity development. And it references Freescale Semiconductors nine times in it, talking (laughs) about their microchips, how they're advancing, and that by 2010 or 2012, they might achieve room temperature superconductive superconductive microchips. That's great. I, I was going to ask if you thought perhaps the technology that, that they were actually working on might have something to do with the event yeah. that we actually saw take place. You know, and early on, I, I thought there's no way we would yeah. find any connection like this, right? And so when I see this, my jaw just drops because the <sighs> intro says this might be ready by 2010 or 2012. The conclusion says only if the government funds it to make it happen. And, why and I'm just they? going, wow, there we go. Direct connection, government, mm-hmm. technology, people on board, exactly the technology we're seeing. We're talking about superconductivity. <clears throat> and I've already been talking about superconductivity before this because from LK99, I knew that we could potentially make objects float like this. Um, so this just made my jaw drop because now we have a motive. Now either we're preventing this IP from going to China. Mm-hmm. You know, It's not about money. It's about the intellectual property. Whoever controls this technology controls the world. Right. We might even be talking about doomsday weapons being possible and super weapons. But at a very minimum, we're talking about warp nukes, which Mm -hmm. is you can't stop a nuke if we just warp it on top of you. Right. right? And then we might be preventing the loss of the IP here if we're somehow able to save this plane. Like that event we saw is a cold endothermic event. Exothermic events, the white visual effect we saw from the fake VFX debunk is an explosion. Mm -hmm. It's a release of energy. What we're looking at is an absorption of energy. So it may be possible that this cargo this lithium-ion batteries they were able to absorb the energy out of them to make the fire go out or it's just a super cold event as well maybe that also just put the fire out from when it teleports it and so they could be saving it the other theory that people propose is that maybe this is a little bit dark but you know that this plane is doomed if they crash into the ocean it's going to rip apart it's middle of the night most of these people if not all of them are going to drown um so maybe they have some kind of protocol that says like hey doomed plane go throughout the experimental technology and see what happens but my money is just on saving the plane. Uh, maybe call me hopeful, call me optimistic. Uh, but that's kind of what it feels like to me. So I guess my question in that case would be, you know, uh, why would they pull it out just for this particular flight? You know, I mean, is it the the brain trust that was on board? I mean, it, it, did the potential impact these uh, scientists and engineers would be able to have on humanity? It was that important. 
you know, I think that's a, a good thought. And then the other thought is maybe it's just a matter of opportunity. Mm-hmm. How many flights are there out there that can, that are flying around for an hour while they're on fire yeah. where you have the assets in the area. There was Thai U S exercises happening two days later in the NMNC. So it could just be a matter of opportunity. Like, up, oh, we've got the right assets. We got the secret weapon hidden right there in the NMNC, you know, come fly to us. The drone can't catch this plane. So it's being deployed from somewhere, you know, nearby over there. Um, so it's hard to say exactly, but I do hope that if I'm on a plane and it starts on fire from lithium ion batteries, that they save me as well. Um, uh, all yeah. I got to say is good luck. <laughs> yeah. And these lithium ion battery fires, extremely oh. dangerous. Oh, yeah. So in 2015, the FAA outlaws them from being in the cargo bay of passenger planes. And even now, after they've done that, there's one over every single week. It was just another video like two days ago I was watching of some guy's backpack lighting on fire in the in the passenger uh, area. Right. And the reason why they don't allow them in the cargo bay is there's nobody out there monitoring it. Right. Just like this situation. This plane had 500 pounds of lithium ion batteries in the cargo bay. They were put together that day. They weren't security screened twice. I mean, this thing was just waiting to light up. And it was 100 degrees out that night. So if these these, uh, wheel wells pull up and they're extremely hot after being after taking off, you can imagine it being really hot in there. And that if there's some defects in these batteries, whole thing's going to light up. Absolutely. And of course, with the, uh, the the pressure changes and stuff, it makes it all the more likely. So I've, uh, I've, I've actually just sent in the chat a video, one of my favorite examples of a lithium-ion battery explosion. Uh, this is from a Robotics Laboratory. It might even be Boston Dynamic. I don't know. But if you could pull it up, it's very short. And uh, that way we can show the audience. Due to oh, the, yeah. fo- the formatting of all the, the stuff in OBS, it won't display correctly for everyone sure. else. That, yeah, because, um, yeah, these these fires are they're just basically impossible to put out yep. and you have to just let it burn. And if something like this was to happen and, you know, let's say that there was a chain reaction that easily could have that? taken place. You know, if if many different people had lithium ion batteries in their in their uh, their luggage and that cargo hold, then it could just, you know, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And you have 500 pounds of them stacked on each other in an unsafe way. And look at them trying to put this out. Mm hmm. And the thing about putting this out as well is that the halon gas actually removes oxygen yep. as well. Yeah. That's how these things work. And so they're trying. It just keeps lighting back up. It's like one of those birthday candles those, that, you know, the trick <laughs> birthday candles, they keep lighting back up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're trying and they can't do anything here. So imagine that you've got this plane on fire with these batteries for an hour and they're just battling it desperately, trying to keep it out. And then what's going to happen here again? It's going to light back up again, right? Yep. <laughs> And so you're supposed to actually put water on them and like there's, you know, all this stuff that you're supposed to do. But essentially, there's so much energy in these batteries that you just can't keep them out. They just keep reigniting. So you can see you can temporarily put it at bay. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, there's another one that I was showing that was like of in some dump or something. And mm-hmm. this, the fire just keeps coming back. Yeah. And it's releasing all this smoke everywhere. Right. Yeah. So you could imagine this smoke permeating throughout the plane, throughout the air conditioning unit pouring out the heat exhaust and this is part of the reason why look at that just comes right back (laughs) up again yep we got it nope just kidding right and this is why you could imagine it actually keep them keeping the plane aloft though Mm -hmm. because they're desperately battling this right and they're trying to keep putting it out over and over and over and over again yeah 
It's um, the only thing they could do. I mean, you know, if, if they were to if they had a breach in the hole, obviously it would be a, a little mm-hmm. bit more helpful because you'd have the, the gust coming in from outside. But, you know, perhaps they had they, they were forced to open the doors on the aircraft, which means that, you know, obviously they're going to have to go low so people can breathe. But then it'll keep the air circulating throughout there, because otherwise, I mean, if you're caught in a conclo- in a confined area with this smoke. I mean, if the flames yeah. don't get you, the, the the smoke is going to. I mean, like, this is some nasty mm-hmm. stuff. We're talking about a chemical reaction here. And once it uh, it starts, I mean, it's not going to stop until it has exhausted itself. This is probably the best argument uh, that I've ever made for not buying a Tesla <laughs> or any other electric <laughs> vehicle. Uh, and, of course, you know, I've shown a, a number of just, you know, tragic, tragic car wrecks uh, from electric vehicles. I mean, yep. yeah, yeah, God help you if you get into an accident and uh, you're not able to get out of the vehicle. It's it's bad news. I'm saving that video. That, that's a good one. <laughs> God, God, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that's... you like it. Yeah. And it was actually at NASA now that I saw it. That one's at NASA too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, these are people that are equipped to deal with this, right? right? And so, and you can imagine that they're using this halon gas, and it's causing this reaction over an hour. This explains why people early on don't see it glowing orange, but mm-hmm. Kate T. By the time she sees it an hour later, you know they've been fighting this battle, this fire for an hour desperately, and that's why you've got this chemical reaction from this bromine. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're probably trying to pour water on it too. You know, they get all the water bottles down there. They're trying to pour water yep. on it. Nothing's putting it out. Just too much batteries. Too much energy. Um, so to me, we've used more evidence than anybody else combined, more people, more than everybody on the Netflix documentary combined, you know, all these people are trying to throw out various bits of evidence. The only thing we threw out is these pings after 1840 UTC, which if you go look at them, incredibly sketchy, Mm -hmm. they didn't release these pings for months. It's like they had to develop a cover story, the radar data as well. They were super suspicious about it. They tried to claim this plane might have been crashed in the South China Sea. They knew right away this plane went over to the Andaman Sea. Sure. And then the, and the Nicobar Islands. If you go look at the same day and look up when did they lose contact with the plane, like that same next day, the time is 1840 UTC. Mm-hmm. They change it and say, oh, the radar data says we lost it at 1815. Because they had to throw people off. They probably tracked it all the way to where it disappeared. No, you of, know? Co- of course they did. I mean, you know, I mean, just... Looking at that surveillance grid alone with those satellites, like, like yeah. to, to think that 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 the, the whoever it is that's watching, you know, the eye in the sky to think that they don't have total information awareness about every single thing that's happening on planet Earth at the same time is totally ridiculous. You know, I mean, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it always struck me that uh, that, first of all, planes just don't disappear. Okay, yeah. and neither do black boxes. It's like nine eleven. You know, <laughs> there's no yeah. black box. We we don't know what happened. It must have just disappeared. You know, poof, yeah. like Kaiser Soze or something like that. But you know, that's that's just not based in fact. And uh, yeah, so they've just been forced to kind of twist themselves into knots over this. But you know, I just I, I really appreciate the time and uh, the specificity that you put into all of these various pieces because you know, I, mm-hmm. I mean. I thought it was plausible. I thought it was certainly, you know, believable at the outset. But, I mean, after hearing your specific examination of all these various pieces, I find it to be, uh, you know, more than likely, more than likely. Yeah. And um, so so now before we open the show, uh, the phones here, Ashton, uh, yeah. do you have – well, OK, a couple different things. First of all, regicide anon. Uh, you know, yeah. nowadays using Anon in your uh, your screen name, I mean, it's kind of kind of common. I mean, you see it all over the place. And um, 
Back in 2014, people who would use Anon, I mean, they were probably in the hacker community, might have been, you know, always on 4chan or even 8chan, you know, certainly on a board someplace. Uh, And I guess I don't even know when Reddit came around, to be perfectly honest with you. But, um, you know, they might have been on Reddit as well. But uh, did you ever try to find any, like, contemporaneous posts from Regicide Anon on, like, Archive for Plebs or any of the other archive sites from, from any of these message boards? The only thing we can find is actually they made a Twitter account three days after they uploaded that satellite video, May 12th, 22nd. Okay. And they say, watch this video before it's deleted. And they <laughs> tag MH370. That's the first time we have a connection to MH370. <laughs> wow. So this is like, holy crap. They make a Twitter account. They say, watch it before it's gone. And then they tag it. Because before that, just said airliner abduction satellite video. Yeah. Right. Now, this also gives me a little bit of a clue. And it says satellite video and UFOs. Potentially the person that leaked this to them didn't even know they were looking at technology either. They might have just thought they're, they're looking at UFOs, and that's why they leaked it. They thought, you know, this can't hurt the government. This is just a crazy UFO video. Sure. But then they find out later on, potentially they get told, hey, no, you just leaked our secret technology to China, Russia, other people. If I can figure this out with a Twitter account, guarantee you Russia and China figured this out a while ago. And if they can't, well, then they're so far behind that they've got no chance against us. So. Yeah. Either way, um, you know, it gives a lot of intent in terms of the person who leaked it. I think they might have been on a plane, literally tracking the plane from our U.S. military that night. Well, and and that leads me to my next question. Any ideas who could potentially be responsible for this ultimately? Yeah, we do. So you've seen all this evidence, right? We've seen that this they removed this HUD data. You know, it looks like this was an operator. I'm imagining there's somebody in the U.S. military we don't know about regicide Anon. Can't find anything about them that would link back to them. We don't think that the person who leaked it either. We think that, that they were given that information. I dug around everywhere. I looked up all these people, Snowdens, the Chelsea Mannings, everybody's out there. All A bunch of people you guys probably aren't aware of, but there's not that many, actually. Like right. The Wikipedia list of these types of people is not very long. And then I find Lieutenant Commander Edward C. Lynn. And man, I would just bet everything this is the guy. He... Um, I, and I went and put in freedom of information, uh, freedom of information act requests, my NCIS, which is the Naval crime investigation unit. Mm-hmm. I got the response back. They rejected it in total. They won't give me a thing about this guy. The reason they claim is for national defense purposes or foreign for foreign intelligence reasons. Um, so I'm just thinking right away, like, wow, okay. They didn't even want to give me a single piece, not even a redacted document. Because they knew I'm going to find something out there, right? That's going to connect them to this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he uh, had experience in signals intelligence. He was on this special project squadron, this VPU-2, which is a very secretive squadron based out of Hawaii. His deployment was from February 2014 to March 2016, but he gets reassigned on March 25th, just a couple weeks after MH370. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bizarre. And that's when the investigation supposedly began in early February or early 2014 as well into him, Mm -hmm. which all lines up with these videos. He was arrested in September of 2015. A year later, they tried to get him as a spy. They did a sting operation. I think they had him sleep with this woman and have him tell her information to try to like prove that he was a spy because he didn't release, he didn't set, give any information to China. The charges he was facing were life in prison. Mm Mm-hmm. It was the first major incident of espionage by an active duty member of the Navy since the end of the Cold War. So like almost 50 years. Wow. His his charge sheet heavily redacted. We actually found, though, that one of the espionage charges, like somebody messed up in the media and actually took a picture of it. 
And the dates actually overlap into 2014 for one of the espionage charges. I think those were dropped anyway, so they may not be relevant. But the time frame does seem to coincide with the videos potentially. Um, he was privy to the Navy's black program portfolio. They argued that he could have information that's extremely useful to potential adversaries. But then they argued there was not really a spy case. There's this article out there like the strange case of Edward C. Lin. Hmm. No evidence ever exchanged with anyone from China. The defense argued that the classified information in, in question is available on the internet. That's part where I just go, what? The classified information is available on the internet, hmm. right? And then in 2014, and remember, we just narrowed the window of when he was part of this squadron that was flying these uh, uh, Poseidon 8 planes, that in 2014, he accidentally left two flight manifests in his flight suit from a deployment that included search and rescue code names. That's where I just go, okay, well, you just narrowed it down between February and March of, you know, like the only incident was mm-hmm. Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. Right. Right. He got abused while he was in pretrial detainment for 646 days before he was sentenced. Mm-hmm. And he ended up taking a plea deal that knocked it down to nine years with three years suspended. This is a lot of years for just, you know, mishandling classified information. If you go look at other people that mishandle classified information, they get slaps in the wrist compared to this. Oh, look at Hillary Clinton. <laughs> she, yeah. had a, she had a I whole mean, server full of stuff. <laughs> General Petraeus, I think yeah. he was, you know, the one taken to his wife, to his mistress, got yep. like, I think a few months or maybe a year. Like yep. not, these people get like nothing. And he gets nine years after a plea deal. He accepted responsibility for the charges he was actually guilty of. Mm-hmm. And then he basically made this statement claiming that, you know, he was very sorry for what he did. He didn't realize how much could damage U.S. intelligence. And that he wanted to serve as like a, um, you know, uh, a warning for anyone else who might try to do that. So this guy's psych- psychology, you know, his mindset probably been extremely damaged. He was, in my mind, doing the right thing. In my mind, he was a hero because he wanted to get this information, the truth out for the MH370 families and victims. Um, and potentially, he, you know, he may even want to know to get this information and technology out to the world because sure. it will change everything about our planet. So, so um, yeah. does he have a, a footprint today? I mean, you know, nine years, three years suspended. I mean, he should be out by now. Is he? Yeah, I think he's out. But this guy has nothing yeah. on Google. So we actually found his old Facebook. He's friends with General Flynn on Facebook, which I thought was pretty interesting. No way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, OK. He's just friends with General Flynn. Holy crap. Right. Wow. Like, I don't think that everybody in the military is Facebook friends. No, no. Um. So. You know, I, what I would say is if this guy's legit, and I imagine he would never speak about these videos ever again, but if he wants to do the right thing and be a hero, come out as a whistleblower. Uh, I will spend all my resources to protect this guy. I would take a bullet for this guy. Wow. So, and I think there's a lot of my followers who would do the same because the reality here is he might have information that can change the whole planet. Mm-hmm. And yes, I understand that if this is doomsday weapons, that we have to be very careful about this and very cognizant and make sure that we are you know, maintaining our military supremacy. I'm a patriot as well. But at the same time, if I figured this out, then China and Russia definitely figured this out. Sure. Right. Sure. So I think that we're past that point. And now we have to move on to, okay, let's rip the bandaid off. Let's tell the world what really happened in this plane. Let's tell the world that we have this technology. Let's give ourselves free energy, which I think is what it required to do what they do to the plane here. Um, and let's get rid of fossil fuels. You know, Middle East can figure it out when they're oil or whatever, you know, we can just, the people that have nothing on this planet shouldn't have nothing. You know, we can get people homes, power, et cetera. And that's really what my view here is. We're so divided. And I'm sure you know this. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. These videos, this technology can be a hope. It can be a rejuvenation of our planet. It can be a common purpose where we don't have to fight over, you know, wars that probably don't matter Mm -hmm. about politics that just seems inconsequential compared to this. And that's what my view is. Unity and hope is what I think we can get out of this. Well, I I, I love it. I got to say, yes, I'm directly on board with everything you just said. I I think that uh, we are essentially kept in this like form of stasis where we're constantly spinning our wheels and Mm -hmm. we are attacking each other when – and then when, when that happens, we're not paying attention to what's really going on, who the real controllers are, what the actual goals are. And yeah, I mean, any of this like, uh, f- you know, futuristic technology, it would mean that it would completely change the landscape of the way the world works. You know, I mean, there's a lot of profit motive here from, you know, a lot of different uh, areas, both public and private. Uh, you know, and the thing is, gasoline engines, internal combustion engines, they're going to be on the road regardless, yeah. you know. I mean, it's not like everybody's going to have money to go out and get a, a, a free energy vehicle right now, a car yeah. that runs off of the ether or uh, the electric fields, whatever it might be, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Uh, but, I mean, we need to get it out there at some point. And, um, oh, man, that's that's just – that's incredible. All right. Um, yeah. We've got uh, Winky Wanky Woo over on Rumble who says, you are rant here. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. If you guys – Want to drop a rant? Uh, I'll be reading it on screen. And uh, I've been completely focused on Ashton this entire time, so I haven't really been looking at the chat. But um, Trump Red Pill over on the Foxhole dropped a cookie. Thank you. Mr. Tissue Box says, hi, Red Pill. I'm Anarchist Owl. Hoot, hoot. Okay, Mr. Tissue Box. Good. Good to see you. And I'll be getting a hold of you early next week, buddy. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Two in the pink says, there is a face in the clouds, guys. I I didn't see that one. I missed that one. But uh, interestingly enough, Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Nikaz808, thank you for the shades. Dale Bursier says, much love, brother. Much love to you as well. Bacon Slot, good to see you. Dropping a can. Appreciate it. Tamar Growl, great to see you as always. Appreciate the can. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Filter Dog One, thank you for the shades. Porpoiseful, thank you for the cookie. And Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie as well. All right. So um, I think that, uh, you know, there was a couple of things that I know that I, I, I wanted to pull on, a couple of threads there, but I'll, I'll probably have them come to me as we're going sure. through the calls. We, we do have our first caller on the line, and I yeah, think this is Casey. Casey, if that's you, go ahead and mute that stream in the background. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Zach, and uh, I want to say happy uh, Veterans Day. Oh, gosh. I thank for- everybody oh, yeah. for this service. I forgot to say that when uh, we started, buddy. Thank you for reminding me. Not a problem. Uh, I, I was going to say to Ashton, you know, uh, well, I got so many questions, but Zach, you did bring up a few, especially on the Anon's question, because mm-hmm. I think until they, was it 2015 that the, the Q was put there? But uh, I just, you know, this has been like, what, nine years? Yeah. So, you know, I wish they had put as much investigation you know, into this as to say, even, you know, the Georgia Guidestones and mm-hmm. how those were blown up, you know? And it's like, I, I don't put a whole lot of uh, weight onto investigative agencies, especially by the government. Uh, so that's why I really appreciate, you know, Ashton's work here. Uh, but just in regard to uh, the, the footage and just, uh, first of all, I was thinking you could have possibly been a fuel dump. All right. They're, they're distressed because of this fire. Uh, could any part of that footage be a fuel dump? 
Yeah. So good, great question. And I also want to thank the the troops and the veterans that are out there. You know, I've worked with them before highest respect for the military it actually makes us a little bit awkward what we're revealing here. <laughs> but um, the reason why we don't think it's a fuel dump is that this plane's on fire, you know, dumping the fuel is kind of like lighting a match in the gas station. And so this is part of the reason why we think it wasn't able to land the Penang. The first thing you're supposed to do is try to land. And if they can't land, the next thing you're supposed to do, like if the landing gear is damaged, you're actually supposed to try to land on your belly on the land, interestingly enough. But if you're filled Absolutely. with fuel, it's going to explode, you know, if you try to land while you're filled with fuel. So that's why we think Absolutely. that they weren't able to dump the fuel, because if they were, they would have dumped the fuel and tried to land on their belly on the land. And probably the reason is because if it's on fire, it just they, they deemed it too risky. So the next thing you're supposed to do is try to land in the ocean. So that's part of the reason why we think that's probably not a fuel dump on there. And also we think, you know, it, the fuel probably would have like floated down in our videos over like the minute that we're seeing it. So I think it's more indicative of smoke, but that's a good thought. Well, and then it's just the, you know, all the theories that are out there. Mm-hmm. And Zach had on a guy, Boyd Anderson, and they're Iranian gold smugglers. And they had a copy jet and it just, it was one of these real BS meter going off, but that was the, you know, conspiracy theory. And I just hope because it's, it's like, you've got that one and you've got, uh, you know, Don Lemon and the black hole. So <laughs> not only hope is if, if, if he turns out to be absolutely right. Uh, cause I got a theory on that. In the yeah. sense that, uh, you know, uh, and I've heard even crazier theories in the sense that, you know, they were transporting pregnant female Bigfoot to Vietnam. <laughs> And they wanted to go under. They wanted to populate Vietnam with female Bigfoot. So, uh, that, that's I mean, the all the crazy theories are out there. Okay, yeah, well, put so it Don in your Lemon. book. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say if yeah, Don Lemon ends up being right, uh, then we're gonna owe yeah. him a lot of apologies, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, and do it while you're still relevant and you're yeah. still, you know, as they say, uh, you're not a woman. God knows, yeah. a, an older age woman. Uh, but anyhow. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting in the sense of the fire, because mm-hmm. wasn't that kind of round? What was it? The Samsung phones catching on fire? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they wanted to tr- track any of that theory, you know, out and say, oh, well, Samsung phones. So, you know, something they wanted to keep down low in the sense of, you know, Samsung is a pretty big company that, you know, they're not going to take, you know, a, a financial hit. But, you know, they, you can't keep that stuff out of the you know, the, the airways, or was that uh, an information dump? But I just wanted to make a point on the three UFOs, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it just seems to me, I hate to go to like a, a Stargate type of mm-hmm. technology in the sense that uh, if it opened up an earthly wormhole as opposed to galactic wormholes, you would think you would have to have three points. You would have to have three aircraft because you can't make a circle at that speed with two, all right? It, it's like a triangle inside a circle. You yeah. know, they're equally spaced. They've got up the speed. They open up a wormhole there. And maybe the other wormhole is in, you know, Del Fuego or, or at a military base. And that's where they landed on, you know, a, a grass tarmac. I don't know, you know, the, but hopefully, like I said, the people on board were rescued. Uh, but it just, it seems really weird that you would have, uh, you know, uh, an explosion and no debris, but also, um, that double split theory, the, the, yeah. the double split experiment. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's almost a higher power saying, you know what, you're going to start throwing, you know, protons out. You know, that's a little past your, you know, uh, pay grade. So we're going to intervene and we're not going to let you see the, you know, the wave that's created or mm-hmm. the technology, because we have two eyes, uh, doesn't ever allow us with any type of recording to see what actually happens. Yeah. So I just think those are two possible theories that we haven't developed the technology to see what happens to the proton. Or, yeah. as you said, somebody might be interceding. Yeah, those are great comments. I think that that wormhole one, initially I thought it has to be a wormhole as well. And I mean, ultimately it's like we're just kind of splitting hairs, right? The end state is still the same thing. Right. This plane is getting from one point to another point faster than the speed of light. You are dead on when you mentioned the three orbs being the minimum requirement in order to create a uh, 3D kind of uh, kind of what we see from this. I think they call it this azimuth, but it's essentially like a bubble in 2D space. Right. And a, and a portal in 2D spaces. You need three points to create a triangle, right, in order to be able to do that. So we actually think that three of these orbs might be the minimum number in order to be able to pull this off. So good observation, sir. Well, absolutely. And I just look at it, too. It looks like God's eye. So whether it's FX, approach, whatever it is, it looks like God's eye or a human asshole. But, you know, <laughs> it, takes, it takes your attitude towards life in one direction or the other. Yeah. But uh, and I and I really quickly wanted to ask you, Ashton. You said your uh, your regular job was healthcare and IT. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's correct. Are, yeah, and are, are you just are you just crunching data, or are you working on anything that's really interesting? No, I don't have any secret information. I do tell people that I do have a government clearance because I'm a contractor, uh, but that's really just to establish my credibility. I don't have any UAP uh, background or any advanced technology. I'm not a disinformation agent either. You know, I'm not out here trying to string people along. Like I put all the evidence out there the moment I get it as fast as I can write it up. I also tell people that, you know, they can believe whatever they want about the videos as well. I'm just trying to get the evidence out there and people want to build their own story for what they think it is. I've heard everything that's out there. You know, I've heard people, some people think there must be, you know, non-human intelligence. Um, And to me, like the non-human intelligence or reverse engineer technology, one leads to the other in that front. If people want to believe they're angels or spirits as well, you know, and more esoteric explanations, totally fine by me. I just want people to realize and that, you know, whatever we've been told about MH370 is clearly bullshit. Yep. <laughs> you know, sorry, pardon my French. You're fine. And that, no. you, know, you know, whatever else is going on here, I want the government to admit we were looking at MH370 and then they can tell us like, okay, you give us an explanation. The reason why I've stacked this evidence so high is that there's very little wiggle room for a plausible explanation for what's going on here, Right. So that's going to put them in a tough spot. And I think that's why they've been so silent about it. Yeah. Well, I just want to say once we come to an end or something that's publishable and you get the answer to it, you want to research something Mm -hmm. in the sense of healthcare, you got to look at the nations and the world's blood supply and the outlying factor of the golden blood. There are, you know, 24 to 48 people in the world that have antigen null blood. Is it a sign of evolution or a sign of devolution? Very interesting yeah. topic that one day Zach will have on an expert, hopefully. But I'll give you searching. another path to go through once it's all this. So thanks, sir. Appreciate <laughs> Good it. Good stuff. All right. Not a problem. Casey, God bless you, Zach. Hey, have God a great bless you night. too, brother. Thank you for the for the great uh, commentary. I appreciate you. We'll Not see. a problem. Bye bye. Take care.
All right. So I remember now uh, something that I wanted to ask you. So obviously, you know, a lot of people immediately went to the idea that this, you know, must be extraterrestrial. And I think probably, you know, obviously it's unidentified. Things are flying. We have a phenomenon that's unexplained. Really, we don't have any basis in reality, not something that truly exists that we can demonstrate right now. So I think people just, you know, jump to the idea that it can't be man-made. But uh, have you considered in terms of the actual technology, are you familiar at all with Bob Lazar, Element 115, Element 115, you know, when Bob Lazar came out talking about that and his experiences at S4 and the type of technology that he and others were working on, you know, uh, he was ridiculed and and derided and and mocked by the mainstream media. The government went after him and they're still actively pursuing him in a number of different ways. But Element 115 is an accepted fact now. And Mm -hmm. uh, and and ironically enough, you know, science, modern day science is actually using it. uh, They're attempting to use it. At least, you know, this is what they're saying publicly for basically the, the, the same thing that Bob Lazar said they were using it for back in the 1980s. So had you considered perhaps, you know, that maybe this may have some connection to what Bob Lazar was working on or what he spoke about? Yeah, I think about him a lot, actually. So I you know I got interested in UFOlogy uh, in 2017, just as an observer, you know, mm-hmm. lurker, as they would say. Uh, watching videos and it wasn't until these videos where i thought wow this is more evidence i've ever seen of any orbs or anything like that and part of the reason why you know all that i've done going out to reaching out to alternative media is you know bob lazar was somebody who paved the way for this to be possible right i saw what he did i saw what the media did to him i've seen wow they've tried to destroy and discredit him claim that he didn't have his educational background Mm. already right and approved and that there's no red flags in there and despite that, people still put out lies about me and try to claim weird stuff that's completely untrue. <laughs> so, you know, when I look at him, I think he was a guy that he took this video in the 90s. And I, of course, ignored it back then. I was pretty young. Um, and, you know, he's sitting in front of this car thinking he's going to be a celebrity, right? Like, I'm going to reveal Area 51. These, you know, UAPs that I've seen. Little naive. And, <laughs> yeah, naive, right? He did not realize what the media would do to him no. at that point. And um, so, you know, I've looked at that. I think that that's why I think that this indicates a reverse engineering program that is consistent with whistleblower David Grush has mm-hmm. sworn under a penalty of perjury to Congress about. Yep. A lot of people don't want to believe that what he's saying is real. You know, I believe him. I think that, you know, it takes a lot of guts to go in front of Congress like that. I'm willing to do it myself as well regarding these videos. Um, and so I, that's why I personally think that this comes down to a reverse engineering program. I'm not personally convinced of non-human intelligence on this planet and if it is i don't know that it's from another planet mm-hmm. you know i think there's a lot of other theories out there it could be what i like to call ultra terrestrials meaning like maybe they're in the water somewhere deep where we've never seen them maybe there are our cousins maybe it's related to the lost city of atlantis if you want to go there breakaway um, civilization yeah breakaway civilization yeah but i think that this technology is something that i can't imagine we got this advanced just naturally And the more I've kind of looked into these types of the UFO side of it, I've thought, huh, we've really advanced in this computer age, like a lot in a very short period of time. It certainly at least makes me wonder if we haven't been slowly trying to reverse engineer stuff that we've seen that's been very advanced. Uh, But ultimately, again, I think only the U.S. government can tell us the answers to that stuff. So, you know, it's almost funny. I I feel like we should actually be much further along in terms of, you know, I mean, because 
technology advancement essentially like just crawled to a stop. I mean, we've mentioned internal combustion engines. You know, I mean, it's basically the same technology that it was. It's just gotten a little bit more complicated, uh, a little bit more expensive to fix. They've made it more difficult for the average, you know, layman to be able to go in there and wrench, which is annoying to somebody like me. But uh, you know, it, it. I feel like we really should be a little bit further along. It's like the only place that we've gotten technology advancement is in this guy right here in our mm-hmm. computers, which is a blessing and a curse. I mean, it's like slave and uh, it, it, we're both slave and master over this stuff, you know, because we have unlimited access to information. But as a result of that, I mean, people just aren't thinking as much, you know, and certainly yeah. not thinking critically. And, and you know, as a result, uh, general IQ across the board is dropping around the world. And, you know, when you compound that with the uh, the multiple, uh, you know, deficiencies in the public education system, it's it's shocking what's happening. And um, I don't know. I don't want it to have to be Neuralink that allows people to uh, to continue on and, and, and procreate the human race into the future, because without that advanced computer symbiosis, you know, we would just die out and AI would take over. That would be really scary. Yeah, um, a couple comments on that yeah, real quick, because yeah, I think you hit some very important points there. Um, the first one is and I my background in school is business and economics. And I noticed a long time ago, 20 plus years ago, that miles per gallons in cars stopped going up. Yep. <laughs> stopped increasing miles per gallons in cars. They actually just petered off and maybe even declined a bit, mm-hmm. which again goes to that from a propulsion perspective. We really haven't been advancing at all. We've been our reliance on fossil fuels has basically stagnated. If not anything, we got more reliant on them, which is really suspicious considering the technological advancements you just described. And in addition to that, I totally agree about this idea that we're getting dumber. We're not thinking critically. We've probably forgotten how to critically think. Mm-hmm. Part of it, I blame social media for where there's this gatekeeping mentality yep. of like, whatever I know is true and nothing else can be possible. And if you say anything else, you're a dumb, dumb or whatever. And I was sitting at the airport the other day and I'm just looking at everybody staring at their phones mm-hmm. just in their own reality, right? Just not even a, oblivious of everyone else on the planet. I really think we need to go back to a point where even potential anonymity is removed from the internet. People have accountability for what they say, that we can get rid of the bots and all the fake stuff that's out there, all the just cutting down of other people. I get a lot of criticism for blocking people. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to build a community that goes back to the basics where people are civilized, where people can converse with one another without you know, just snide comments and without thinking critically about anything. Yeah. Um, so you know, that's just my view on that stuff. But I, I totally agree with what you're saying. No, we're on the exact same page. I, 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 I rant about that all the time. Social media has turned us into uh, ignorant brutes in many ways. You know, I mean, people will mouth off online. They will the way the, the form of communication and, and the, the things that they choose to say are completely different from what they would do if somebody was in front of them. You know, so exactly. I, 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 I um, you know, working uh, in this field and, you know, constantly having to be online, it's something that I've had to reconcile, uh, you know, in terms of like my own use of social media, because you know, I, I want my communications to be genuine. I, I don't yeah. want to have to wake up every day and think about what new snarky comment am I going to make that's going to get me the engagement to keep people coming back. You know, I mean, like this is yeah. the product, if anything. So I, I want people to enjoy. And uh, Jabstone over here on Rumble says, Zach is a fellow Michigander. Thank you for your work. Uh, come save me from the DC swamps. I would if I could. We've got room for you down in Florida. Uh, and then Gum Gum says, uh, just a great show and thank you. And then we <laughs> 
Winky Wanky Woo says, uh, poo poo, tinkle, tinkle, fart, fart, oink. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you got me to say it. And, um, next caller is on the line. This, this, this may be a call from the Beltway area. I, I think that I recognize that area code. Who, who are we speaking with? Um, <laughs> you made me laugh on that one. Colin. Hey, brother. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Colin? What's up? <laughs> Uh, if I told you, if I told you I was in the belly of the beast the other day, it's, uh, and I actually recorded it, thank God. I had no idea, Zach. I went there because it was called the rule of law. Mm-hmm. And after about an hour and a half of slander, and finally he said something about megas, I popped. And uh, that's just what this way I got removed from there. But <laughs> the blessing was I got to talk along the way, including the two guards at the very end. They actually listened because I got to do the crack in the eggshell. Anyway, it's not about you. It's about you guys. I mean, not about me. It's about you guys. Um, Excellent. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Sir, I want to just simply say my compliments. I have uh, loved everything that you've said and how you have said it, completely unbiased and open to everything. And I think that's extremely important. I agree with 99.9% of the things that you're saying until, of course, the last part. I want to fill you in on a few things. The miles per gallon? Yes, Mm -hmm. they uh, they, we found out when we did the HHO stuff that you um, they actually you can find you can probably create your own um, or find somebody you can do it, but you need to dial in because what they're doing is taking all the electronic input and they're changing it so that you maintain a gas mileage. Hmm. So these all these motors can get ninety, probably one hundred and ten, in actual fact, but because they have put the, the the chip in there, the computer, and they've set it up so that it um, it will not. The other thing I wanted to mention was, oh, Casey, you're hilarious, smart as a whip. I uh, loved it. Um, what was the other one? Oh, reverse engineering. I agree with Zach on that. I totally agree with Zach because I've, I've had dreams about things tw- and designed them, built them, and even how to manufacture them 20, 30, 40 years before they're here. And you're sitting going, okay, when am I going to get to do it? You know, when is society going to be ready for it? So anyway. Thank you. I appreciate it. Collective consciousness. Well, yeah. thank you very much, Colin. And, and uh, just Austin did, or I mean, Ashton, sorry. Uh, did you have any uh, comments for uh, for Colin before we uh, move on to the next caller? Yeah, I want to hear your response. I, yeah. I, I want to yeah. talk to you some more. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I think that from the, you know, the engine thing, there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. The guy, too, that I think built like a hydrogen engine that runs off water that mm-hmm. was potentially being suppressed, like, you know, from a fuel and, you know, advancement perspective i think there's a lot of stuff out there that just yeah. gets ignored well st- st- stan meyer across here yeah yeah there was also the um uh the, the the guy who was a security guard at that um that safeway or wherever in uh in buffalo or baltimore i can't remember where it was but he just you know he was the first person to get shot isn't that odd he built uh he built an engine very similar to uh to stan meyer's engine that could run on water and um yeah and he just you know gets shot by a mass killer so yeah no coincidences there i think but you know colin it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh i don't know when my daughter was like five so i don't know over 15 years ago something like that uh, maybe closer to 18, I installed an HHO generator in my car, and it was a 2010 Ford, whatever the small Ford was, the the small Ford SUV. I don't remember what it is. But um, mm-hmm. not uh, anyways, it, so you had to get along with it 
um, a chip that would override the chip that was in the engine because that's exactly what would happen. It would sense the uh, the additional gas coming in and then it would tune up the amount of gas that would be coming through the fuel injectors so that, you know, thinking that it needed to overcompensate. But I, I mean, it's more than likely it was just done uh, it, intentionally so that you could never get the gas mileage that you know you should. But with a chip, you know, uh, you should be able to. I just I never got around to putting that in and I, I took it out. Well, the thing the thing is, is that it, it, why would they make a law against meddling with the chips if it's your car? Number one, why would they meddle with that? Why would they say, OK, just do, a, you know, do whatever you're going to do to your car, tune it up and bring it by for a, a pollution inspection? You know, that's mm-hmm. really the only thing that, you know, because that affects everybody else. You know, that's a reasonable thing. You know, yep. what kind of pollution you put now? Mm-hmm. I, I get that. And, and but for them to say, no, it's against the law to tamper with your own piece, your own equipment and stuff. There's obviously, you know, what it is is to cover up always gets them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it also voids your warranty, too. It's like your phones. I, I'm real, I'm pretty into right to repair stuff. And, you know, it, it. we should have the ability if we purchase something, you know, then we should have the ability to do whatever we want to, to customize it in any way that we can. And, you know, as long as we're not destroying it, then it, it shouldn't affect the, uh, the the warrantied parts, and certainly it shouldn't be against the law. That's just hypothesis out there, and you find mm-hmm. the evidence that potentially supports it, you review that, and then you re-review it. And I think that that's why over the last three months, we've gotten to a point where this is so compelling when we present it, because, mm-hmm. you know, it, all this stuff is kind of, there's been twists and turns that have come up, and, you know, we found these kind of smoking guns that have really helped our understanding. And now we're at a point where we've got a puzzle in front of us, and we've got a pretty clear picture. But there's still a couple Mm -hmm. pieces missing where we don't really understand, like, was this battery fire accidental or was it espionage? Maybe somebody started this fire. And then again, with respect to these orbs and the videos, it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure this is reverse engineered technology, but like, what's the motive Mm -hmm. here? You know, there's still a little bit of blurriness there. And I think that there's still openness for various narratives, too. So that's why this case is so compelling. That's that's why I I said what I said is that your presentation... I'm an engineer, I'm a scientist and an inventor, but I've been doing law for 30 years by necessity. So the way you present it for me is like, oh, it's like candy because it's like, woohoo. I mean, every bit of it, I can take a chunk and cut it, keep it together. It's just wonderful, non-prejudice. Here's the evidence, you know, this is hypothesis, you know, full disclosure. I, I love it, brother, and I really, really appreciate you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you too. All right, Colin. Thank you for your call, Brunt man. It's always good to hear from you. Yeah, I'm gonna if if I can, I'm gonna send you an email. It'll come from uh, what is it? MCT now at proton.me. Um, and of course, Zach, if you don't mind, you know me saying real quick that I think the best way to remove the corruption in government is through mandatory competency testing, periodic mandatory competency testing. I was in that room as I was sharing earlier of these people and. Um, let me tell you, Zach. They're 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 at, at best high school, you know, old high school people. They've still got their mindset in high school. Yep. yep. I, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's very. Anyway, true. I just share that much. But blessings. Have a good night. All right. God bless you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. So yeah, uh, Ashton, uh, I have a friend who was previously in uh, the federal government, and um, he he told me that. Um, you know, quite shockingly, and, you know, I guess maybe I shouldn't have been shocked at all, but that, um, you know, the hiring practices of these various federal agencies are, are not necessarily based on competency 
and education. Like quite often, it's a form of advanced nepotism. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like you if you have a friend or a neighbor that works at the CDC and uh, they have the ability to put in a good word for you, you know, then it's likely you'll go ahead and get the job. And then, of course, once your comments on that. Uh, I mean, I would agree with you. You know, uh, I don't want to speak too ill of uh, you know, know, any potential people that I work with and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, from a larger perspective, I think that you see that level of corruption, that yeah. nepotism for sure, in various political aspects of the government that are out there. I mean, even to what the caller was just saying with our elected representatives, we've got people that have been in there for forty plus years who are, uh, let's just say, barely able to speak without mm. having you know, uh, a a medical episode happened to them while they're in the middle of talking. That just happened at the Pentagon the other day. Did you see that? No, it did. Yeah, yeah. It's been happening a lot recently. It makes me wonder if it's just not puppets who are, you know, having their (laughs) strings pulled, right? Um, And that's what, like, I've become very apolitical in general, especially after watching these videos when you start to realize that, like, all these wars are just for no reason. We could probably end any war in a day with this technology if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, I I don't even see a lot of division between the two sides. I think that it's a matter of the people being selected, right, and put into office. And there's so much money involved as well that it just leads to corruption, right? Um, And so to me, that's just sad. I would like for that to get removed. Um, And it may even go back to Citizens United and other, you know, cases, but it's certainly not one, all one side or the other. To me, it's more of a matter of whoever is currently in power is the one who's abusing the power. And so that's why I'm all about just trying to remove the corruption in general so that neither side can abuse it so that the power can go back to the common people where we can actually get the truth without it going through these layers of filtered BS. I would say that a large swath of the federal government is completely unnecessary. And uh, I'm really hoping that whoever comes into power in 2024 is going to take that into account because, you know, I I don't think it's possible to, uh, to really implement an agenda that is going to benefit the people primarily when that multi-layered bureaucracy stands between us and that power. I mean, so many agencies in the government exist just solely for the justification of their budgets. You know, I mean, it's like once some money has been allotted, once the appropriation is made, uh, I mean, whatever department it is, whatever team it is, they're going to want to make sure that that money keeps on flowing in. And, uh, you know, whether they're getting real results or not, uh, it, uh, it's a big problem. I just uh, this week I did a story about uh, the Government Accountability Office. They they just determined that all of these federal agencies are not accurately reporting their expenditures to USAspending.gov. And uh, and the worst offender was the Treasury Department, which, you know, they're the ones who are supposed to be tracking the money. Right. But they're not. And nobody is. <laughs> it's, it's just it puts us into yeah. a really bad spot as a country. Um, yeah, I think that just on that front, too, yeah. I mean, even related to these videos, if this is reverse engineering, then there's a black budget somewhere. You know, <laughs> we're spending ten thousand dollars for a toilet seat so they can move that money over to these projects where they're yep. developing these super advanced room temperature, superconductive orbs, mm-hmm. right, that can teleport a plane. Yeah, that's not just coming like that's not right on the books. Right. And I think it was even, um, you know, some of the Congress people at those hearings that were even interested in that. And that's why I think that, okay, even the people that can't believe that this technology is real, can you at least look at it from the money perspective? Oh, what you just said about these organizations and government entities that are 
out there just to justify their own existence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely correct. I realized that in college when I was part of, uh, I'm gonna, I think I'm saying for you to say this, the campus programming council back then. It was long enough ago, mm-hmm. and every year it was about we have to spend all our money in order to have our budget increase the next year, mm-hmm. right? And that's how government works too. Is okay if you spend all your money, then you can go ahead and get more money next year. And I think what like Tim Burchett has said is that the Pentagon can't pass an audit. Mm-hmm. They don't even know where like 40 to 60% of the money is going yep. in any given year. We're putting out tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars to these people. And, you know, we don't know how it's being used. So at least from that perspective, there should be accountability. Absolutely. I mean, it's all make-believe, you know, I mean, they're, they're, because there's no accountability, they have no impetus to do the right thing or to even track what's happening. And there's so many opportunities for grift and for skimming, and and you know that it happens. I mean, it's just it's it's undeniable, and you can see the results right there. I mean, what you just mentioned a ten thousand dollar toilet seat or a a, a five thousand dollar hammer. I mean, whatever it might be, our government was comfortable leaving eighty billion dollars in armaments and vehicles and bullets over in Afghanistan, and uh, that's because it's just a drop in the bucket, right? You know, I mean, they're just going to print some more money, and uh, they'll continue to pay the uh, the vendors and whoever it is that's going to be providing whatever they need. Um, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say the thing that really bugs me too, is like, uh, I care about people that are really disadvantaged in this mm-hmm. world. And there's been scams out there where they've been, you know, supposedly spending money to feed children mm-hmm. and it's just, they're not feeding them at all. And they're just taking the money and, and, you know, pocketing it. That's the stuff that really bothers me a lot. Okay. It's one thing to go out there and have a war that we could end in a minute and, you know, we're out there funding it and people are dying. I think that's absolutely horrible. But it's another thing too, that the children that are completely innocent, that all they want is to be fed, that they don't have the means for it. And you're stealing money out of their pockets. It absolutely disgusts me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, just thinking about waste, I'm sure that you've heard uh, about all of the money that just went missing uh, during the, uh, the, the, you know, the pandemic with all the the COVID money. You know, you had um, Oregon just massive amounts of money deposited into their accounts. And I think California specifically, I mean, they can't account for like hundreds of millions of dollars. It's uh, it's shocking when you think about it. Yeah. Even no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on with respect to that, it's like you should be against these people scamming the government out of the money, yeah. especially the people that were abusing it, you know, and it's, I think a lot of times it's even rich people abusing it too. That oh, didn't need it, you know, absolutely. You know, and, you know, talking about, you know, trying to get that money back. I, I saw a story earlier today, uh, social security had, uh, uh, for some reason overpaid a large portion of these elderly people that depend on, you know, the very small checks that they get every month. And uh, and, you know, there was no warning. They just gave them extra money. And, you know, I would sure I would I would be sure that most of them just really didn't even notice. It was just like, well, I've got an extra two hundred dollars in my bank account this month. Well, they're 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 actively now pursuing those people to get those payments back from them. You know, and you look at the places that have just, you know, thrown money or set it on fire like uh, like like Batman, Dark Knight Rises, Joker. You know, I mean, it's it's insane. It's absolutely insane that that's how the government spend it, spends its money in trying to recapture something that they were uh, were not careful about in the first place. Yeah, they go after the little people, right, yeah. that have nothing as opposed to going after the fat cats who you know, pretty much using all of it. And I kind of equate it to the water crisis as well. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're we're trying to have like individuals try to save water when it's the companies and the corporates and the farmer and these large conglomerate farmers that, and not even farmers individually, but like huge corporate farmers that are using the vast majority of the water. They're the ones that we need to be conserving it. Right. 
And I, you find that all over all that level of corruption too. It's, you know, we always keep going after the little individual instead of going after the big kind of fat cat. And I think that's a big problem. Yeah. Uh, public corruption, institutional corruption is really the, the the stuff that I like to focus on as well. So you're uh, you're striking a chord. I also have a, a, my, my master's degree is in public administration. It, the irony is that I intended to go into government at some point and I, yeah. you know, I got there and I was like, this is not something that I want to be a part of. Like, I just can't I, I can't justify it and I, I can't uh, I, I can't do it. I just won't be able to, to live with myself. So. Um, all right. So I, my other question is, uh, I saw yeah. that uh, you had commented on uh, on Sean Ryan's uh, post about, you know, who you should have on. And yeah. I just wondered if uh, if he had uh, had reached out or, or commented yeah. or, you know, indicated that he saw it in any way. Yeah, I mean, I got to kind of keep that close to the vest okay. one way or another. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've had a lot of hate. I've had what I will say is that if he's listening or other people are listening, that please don't listen to the detractors and the false statements they make about me. There's a literal group of people who are trying to reach out to podcasters and such to tell them not to talk to me. Really? It's just the most bizarre thing. Yeah, we even caught them on a Twitter space talking about trying to do that and talking about trying to disconnect me from the MH370 topic. Why, and why which, is that? What, what reasoning have they given, if any? They, ha- you know, they make false statements that I am stealing information, which is objectively false. I've quoted everybody. All this information is publicly available. People that have posted information on social media, you know, I've used their evidence and quote and sourced them in every situation that is possible. I, as far as I can tell, I'm the only person trying to put together a story, an investigative case related to this. And I've been very clear on all my podcasts that people are free to take my evidence that I put forth and do the same thing, mm-hmm. come up with whatever story they want. So ultimately, like, I can't come to many other conclusions other than it's from a dishonest standpoint. Sure. It could be from, you know, an emotional jealousy standpoint, something like that. It doesn't feel that way, right? And the reason why is that if these videos are real, if what we're talking about and the implications is real, then the intelligence community would be trying to keep this quiet. Absolutely. You know? And I don't know what they look like and what they'd be trying to do, but I imagine it's like what happened with Bob Lazar, mm-hmm. a discrediting tactic. Sure. Right? And that's exactly what's been happening to me, is that I think nobody is attacking the evidence. They're simply attacking me instead and trying to discredit me. So if there are large podcasters out there, you know, the Sean Ryans, the Joe Rogans, um, you know, other people that I would like to talk to, like Tucker Carlson and even Bill Maher, because I think we need to be reaching out to all yeah. sides of the political spectrum on this. Please do not listen to the people lying about me. You can watch my appearances. You can see that I'm a very kind and upfront person. I'm very honest and open. You can ask me anything you want, and I will tell you to the best of my ability. Um, so, you know, I think that why it's important is that if we can get to that level of audience, the whole world will realize that the true story is fiction. Certainly. And, and that's what, what my goal is here is I don't know the government can ever admit to this stuff being real. They might not even literally be able that if we can just get it out to a bigger audience and that's my goal, then we can make it self-evident to the point where everybody just knows, Oh, that official story is BS. Anyone that brings up MH370 U S government lied about it, covered it up, you know, and then whatever narratives people want to come up with, I don't even really care at that point. As long as the world knows the official story is BS, it increases the pressure so high. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll have to respond in some way. And the whole media, nobody, nobody in the media, mainstream media at least, has reached out to me. You know, these, this media is willing to go find some kid in Vegas whose family, they say they saw aliens in their backyard. Yeah, that's a good point. And just turn him into an absolute joke on national media, yeah. right? Yeah. 
you know, they're not coming to me like that. And the reason is because they know that won't work that same way. It's not going to play out the same way if they do. Yeah. They draw attention to the case here. I mean, well, I, I think it's difficult not to do that. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm biased, but I, I think that you're in good company here. And I think that the uh, the audience is right on board. And, and you're right. I mean, this is about people being lied to. This is about narrative crafting and uh, an attempt by someone or some people uh, to uh, to steer us into believing something, even when the things that they're trying to convince us of are just implausible. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said earlier, planes just don't disappear. The, the black boxes don't disintegrate. And we would have seen so many other pieces of physical evidence if the official story is exactly what had happened. Um, you know, you had mentioned earlier the possibility of disinformation being injected here. And, and, you know, my, as I said, my audience is fairly discerning. And that was, you know, one of the first things that we considered, you know, I mean, is it possible that this is just disinformation to send people down another rabbit hole of, uh, you know, potentialities, but, uh, you know, I've, I've come to the conclusion that that's not what's happening, but do you have any idea why it is that right now these videos suddenly began to pick up steam again, because I do find it interesting that it's happening at the same time that the U.S. government is is essentially admitting to people, you know, hey, we've got technology and we didn't make it, but we don't know exactly where it's from. Yeah, I would say it's our collective conscious rising to the point where we can understand it and be real. Mm -hmm. You know, so if there is a slow drip acclimation process, it's just maybe we couldn't understand these videos to be real until 2023. I actually saw that thermal video in 2014. When it must have been right after it was released that summer of 2014. And I just closed it and never thought twice about it. Hmm. And when the videos reemerged, I read it on August 8th. And I saw that one. I thought, huh, I remember seeing this back in 2014. And I promise you there'll be thousands of people that will test to see in at least one or both of these videos as well. And I saw the second one. I went, whoa, there's two videos that are perfectly in sync. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that's really a matter of we had to have that 2017 DOD Navy, you know, gimbal, go fast videos to understand what those drone footage even looked like. We had to have the Trump satellite picture to even understand what satellite optical capabilities are. Before that, there was like nothing until from the, since the 80s. Mm-hmm. We also had to understand like LK99, superconductivity. I never even understood what superconductivity meant. It means everything in the world will change. It means we're talking back to the future, hoverboards, hover cars, um, our phones that we were just showing won't heat up anymore. Can you imagine how much your battery life will increase with that? Oh, yeah. We're talking about being able to transfer power across the earth at no degradation. Fossil fuels will become obsolete. And that's without even getting into potential exploiting free energy from it. So in addition to all that, we also had to understand AI. In 2014, I would have thought AI is like 2100 kind of situation. Sure. I was using chat GPT earlier today to look at to find more additional evidence, right? And... So you need that to understand the orbs and the patterns, because otherwise you're thinking, how are those little beings flying this stuff around? It's like, no, this is just a computer program we're looking at, a very advanced one that's able to pull data at a level we could not possibly comprehend right now. In fact, might be using quantum computing. So without all that stuff, you can't even understand the videos to be real. Like we were, I think we were talking about earlier is that looking at the satellite footage, a lot of people think you're looking up. That's how little Mm -hmm. understanding we have to understand that that's looking down from outer space. Yeah. Um, so to me, I think that's the evidence for why it's coming up right now. I'm just a random guy before this. I was nobody. I had 30 fake followers on Twitter. <laughs> I've got over 22,000 right now. So I guarantee you, I'm not going to have to have had it set up ahead of time. But the problem about it, I realized about that narrative is how would that make any sense? You take these videos and you throw them out there to the general public back in 2014, or even now, 
nobody's going to go, oh yeah, aliens took the plane. No, they're going to go, the government lied about it and they made these videos to cover up whatever they really did about it. It implicates the US government directly. So that's why the PSYOP angle just doesn't make any sense. And that's another beauty of the videos is that kind of proves their authenticity. Plus they've never promoted them in any way, shape or form. In fact, if they're doing anything, they're trying to cast doubt on me to make the videos go away again. Yeah. 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 So so uh, we're at the end of the show. Let me just say thank you one more time to Winky Winky Woo. uh, And then also to Slug Trail, who says Project Pegasus opened up teleportation around 1960. Um, That was one other question I wanted to ask. Uh, Did you go through uh, any, you know, perhaps the Black Vault or or any other uh, uh, places that might be storing these declassified government programs uh, that might potentially line up with the technology that we saw? There's a ton, honestly. I mean, it goes all back to the Philadelphia experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't really tried to tie anything there because we have enough evidence here, as you sure. just saw us go yeah. through, that I want to try to keep it tight so that there's no way to discredit me by trying to discredit something else. Yeah. I also get sent videos of three orbs flying around planes like probably once a day. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of instances of that, surprisingly enough. Really? Yeah, wow. a lot. Um, but I don't link them to any of that either. Yeah. Because again, I'm trying to keep this case as hot, as credible as possible. Yeah. And what I'm hoping is that by validating this, these videos to be real, that it lends credibility to all those other cases that people go back and look at it and go, huh, maybe that wasn't just a myth. Maybe that isn't fake. You know, and there's a lot of people that come to me and say, you know, I, I saw these lights in the sky that I don't think were satellites. Will you look at it? Will someone look at it? I just want someone to tell me what it is. Those are the people that I would tell you that I'm doing this for you because I think that I can't tell you and give you answers in there. But if we can get these videos authenticated, then maybe people will look at that, those situations with uh, some level of credibility. All right. Excellent. Um, final thank you. Uh, my friend Fred Awakening over on Rumble says, I'm late. I'll watch the replays act. Just FYI, regarding airfare for GART via Alaska Air, best to book it now versus later. Found one using miles for 12.5,000 miles. I have 94,000 miles. Haven't checked the re- return flight. I will message you on uh, and Twitter after this. Um, well, uh, Ashton, um, at the end of the program, I always like to ask my guests uh, for their final thoughts. What, what would you most like for people to take away from our conversation tonight? Um, that the official story into MH370 is a fabrication, a sloppy one at that, and that it doesn't take much. No, Everybody has the power to be the person that I am here today in front of you. All it takes is to find something that is clearly wrong, to dig into it, uh, have purpose, have a motive. And then our motive here is just to get to the truth. That's my only intent, no matter how this plays out. And so, you know, we want to get the government to admit that this is real. I'm hoping that what will happen is we get open hearing in front of either Congress or the Senate. And this evidence is compelling enough to open an official investigation into this where we can get that truth. So if you guys want to help me out, you know, the best way is either follow me on Twitter at just X Ashton or on YouTube. That's also my my profile tag there as well. Reach out to your, your representatives. Let them know, hey, we know that you guys lied about MH370. Because I've already sent out a letter to Congress. I've mailed it to a number of congressmen. And that would be the best way of helping out. You can follow along this case. We're not done yet. You can be a part of it. Um, So feel free to join us. We want you as well. All right. Excellent. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Listen, I I really appreciate you being here tonight, Ash, and I hope you can come back in the future. If you've ever got any new details on this that you want uh, help publicizing, I'm more than happy to do that. And, uh, yeah, just once again, it's been a great time talking with you. 
and be more grateful. Thank you, Zach. And thank you for your audience for listening. All right. And uh, don't go anywhere after I uh, stop the stream. I've still got something else I want to talk about. To everybody else at home, thank you so much for being here. Please, before you go, hit the like button, hit the red pill. Uh, sh-